Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics. Delivering what they call the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone. And <laughs> let me tell you, with me as always is your co-host, Andy Hart. <laughs> Hi, Art. Hey, glad to be back on the program. Hey, Andy. Good to see you. We got a great podcast for you today, folks. Podcast fans, you're in for a treat. Everybody, buckle your seatbelts and get ready for your seventh inning stretch. <laughs> Because today we are talking about the hypothesis that sports is fake. That's right, Andy. And uh, the two hosts, co-hosts of the show, excuse me, uh, number 00, Andy Hart, and number 69, Arthur Stone. Nice. Stone has a uh, tight little build and a hot little bod, and uh, I think uh, Hart compliments that really well. Uh, they say opposites attract, and two players couldn't be more opposite than these two. Folks, we're in for a, an evening of hot, sexy action here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Wow, hello, listeners. That is right. Sponsored by Pepsi. Whoa, we are? We are now. Bunker, when did we start making the big bucks? <laughs> we got Pepsi? Yeah. Wow. We're going to get to hang out with Kylie Jenner. Oh, uh, yeah. And Britney Spears. And Britney Spears. And Michael Jackson's hair. Still relevant. Wait, what? Huh? His hair? Yeah, the hair that caught on fire. Oh. I that was gonna, a Pepsi commercial. I you saying because he's dead, the only thing that's growing is his hair <laughs> and his fingernails. And his popularity. Oh, boy. Yikes. Everybody, <laughs> uh, if you... Look, Art and I are frankly... We're going to start talking to each other about how we got here and... If you're not about all that, if you're just like, I love sports not being real and I want to dig right in. That's right. Uh, Art, what should they do? Uh, Andy, uh, great segue. Uh, <laughs> Smooth as Listeners, if you want to get straight to the research and you don't want to hear Andy and I vamp, or if you don't want to hear how we got captured, it's fun. You can listen, but you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You can look mm-hmm. in the time, uh, you can look in the show notes for any podcasting app that you choose. And there will always be a timestamp to the exact moment the research begins. You can skip right ahead. Um, but anyway, Andy, 
Jump to it. Find out about sports being fake. Jump jump right to the research. You know, you don't have to listen to us. I hope that you do. I hope that we you know, like talking to you. We like our listeners. Yabba dabba do. <laughs> we like talking to you. That's that's right. Fred Flintstone over here. Uh Bonnie. <laughs> uh, uh, Wilma. Well, gee, I don't know, Fred. I I got a dinosaur for you. Your first attempt at- Where's those fruity pebbles? (laughs) Where's those fruity pebbles? (laughs) Fruity pebbles. (laughs) Your your first attempt at uh, Fred Flintstone sounded sort of like Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) The third live action Flintstones movie. If only- Wilma! (laughs) Get to the job. Get to the bedrock! (laughs) I need a brontosaurus rib. No, you don't understand. We need to power the car with our feet. I don't have an engine. This car is going too Gang. fast. <laughs> Gang. Um, what were we doing? We were <laughs> What's getting, this podcast? Uh, it's about conspiracies. Oh, yes. Uh, and all things bizarre. And yep. one feature of this podcast is that in order to produce the podcast, mm. you and I are captured That's right. uh, each week. By the illusionary mastermind known only to us as Mr. Bunker. That's right. Even though I've started calling him Kenneth. Oh. I don't know if that's his name. Oh. I didn't realize you guys were on a first name basis. I like to imagine that he grew up by the sea. Kenny Kenny Bunkport. (laughs) So he became Kenny Bunker. Is that in Maine? Yeah. I hear they have great beaches there. <laughs> hey, any listeners from Maine? Shout out to Maine. Ooh, I got lobsters. <laughs> it's like crabs, but it hurts more. Oh, God. <laughs> They'll pinch you. <laughs> hey, more pinching action coming later. I promise you that. Wink. That's the RD guarantee. <laughs> Andy, uh, would you like to hear how I got captured? Ooh, would I ever? I week? am sitting here with bated breath. Oh, yeah. Bated breath and a bated boner. Yeah. <laughs> I see that little boner. I'm the master at baiting. <laughs> there we go. Andy, uh, as longtime listeners of the show, first time listeners, hello, uh, will know uh, marijuana, marijuana, the devil's lettuce, the green machine, uh, Mary Jane, weed, skunk bunk, skunk bunk. That's Dirker, Irker. <laughs> yeah. That good ganj. Mm-hmm. That good good has recently uh, become recreationally legal or will be at the start of the new year right here in Chicagoland in well, all of Illinois in all of Illinois. But uh, let's be honest. <laughs> I'm joking. Illinois, you're, you're fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Wow. Shout out to our downstate listeners. <laughs> Carbondale, you're worth something. Peoria, you're worth something. Springfield, Sandwich, Plano, Yogurt, Rockford. That's more north. Champagne. Uh, champagne. Boy, we could have a delicious meal. Neat. Sandwich and champagne. <laughs> anyway, weed is going to become legal in Illinois. We are one of the newest states to enact uh, legal recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. Now, Andy, I know that you and I don't partake in the fun, anything fun, really, that most people find fun. Uh, not anymore <laughs> art. I have smoked marijuana before. Wow. You're here to reverse, folks. Andy inhaled. I've also inhaled it through a vaporizer. Wow. 
So you're fucking cool. I get it. You mm-hmm. went to fucking toga parties in college, and I didn't. Yeah, I too. stayed inside and played video games with my roommates. I <laughs> stepped on my toga, and my toga fell off in front of the police. That's hot. <laughs> you're a real animal house, huh? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, weed uh, will become legal soon. And, uh, you know, I think that's fine and dandy. Uh, if you partake in the devil's lettuce, good for you. I don't really give a shit. Um, but at the same time, Andy, I got to tell you, these vapes, vapes are becoming a problem. They are, uh, they're in the news, you know? Yeah, they're, you sound like the CDC. Yeah, and, 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 and I think we're starting to learn that, you know what? Novel idea, inhaling smoke into your lungs, bad for you. Just in general. Just in general. Yeah. Whether it's campfire smoke, which I love to inhale. Who doesn't love to inhale a nice, delicious campfire smoke? I love nothing more than to cover a roaring campfire with a huge uh, trash bag (laughs) and then poke a small hole in the top and then put a straw into it so that I can just (laughs) inhale all those, all that woody goodness. I love to core an apple and then put another little hole on the other side of an apple and then stuff it filled with campfire smoke. And then I know how to make an apple into a bong. Okay. I'm cool. Okay. I'm cool. These vapes, Andy, they're becoming a problem. Kids are using them. High school kids love their jewels. Boy, do they ever. Oh, they can't get enough of them. And you know what? I got to say, if you vape, that's fine. You shouldn't, but it's fine for health reasons. But you know, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's your body, your choice. Don't do it on public transportation. Andy, you ever been on the bus and some some cool teen saunders up to the back of the bus where you're sitting trying to listen to a podcast and just enjoy your ride and some hip cool teen with his electric skateboard comes up and blows a fat, rips a fat little vape cloud in your face? How rude is that? It's very rude. Don't do that. I don't give a shit if it's vape clouds. I don't want smoke in my face. Yeah. I do feel like some people feel like since it's a vape instead of smoke, <clears throat> that the shackles are off. Right. And you can vape it's no any location. Like, like you could walk into a hospital and just be vaping inside <laughs> an operation. I love just going to the uh, infirmary and just ripping fat clouds on all those sick patients' face. So uh, you got leukemia? <sighs> that sucks, bro. Top places to vape. The ICU, number one. Yeah. <laughs> Maternity ward number two, two. <laughs> number Get three those babies the morgue. <laughs> I love going to that. Uh, what, what do they call the area where they keep all the babies lined up in a row? And you nursery. Kinda, the nursery. I love just going in there and handing out vapes. Yeah, to all the kids. Yeah, kids love vaping. Just get them started real soon. Yeah, vaping's cool. Uh, so Andy, I was walking around, uh, you know, downtown and. It was pretty busy because it's uh, it's been like the last day of summer, really. The the weather forecast is starting to show the fall temperatures are coming in, which I'm looking forward to. But the last days of summer are here and, and people are out and about and they're walking around. And well, it's you know, I just I needed to get off. I needed to get off the main one of the main streets of downtown, like State Street or Michigan Avenue. You know, if you've ever been on these big city streets, they can get really packed with people trying to go where they're going. Tourists sightseeing, walking around. They don't know where they're going. It just, you know what? When you're trying to, you're a city goer trying to go from A to B, Andy, you got to sometimes take those side streets. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So I took a side street and I thought, oh boy, this isn't good. 
it started getting real dark. I was like, where are the streetlights? You know, where's, uh, it was like in the middle of the day and all of a sudden it was getting dark. I think the clouds were coming, covering up the sky. An encroaching storm. Maybe an encroaching storm. And let me tell you, there was a storm encroaching because out from behind a dumpster, Mm -hmm. and I was all alone, mind you, out pops Bunker, just out in the blue. There he is. And I go, By by himself, unadorned? by himself, unadorned. He pulls out the fattest, heaviest. This thing looked like, like, uh, like it was from uh, BattleBots. That show, you remember Robot Wars or BattleBots? Mm-hmm. Yeah, looked like one of those. Just this sick, and it was colored like Gravedigger, the monster truck. Uh-huh. Sickest vape. And this, he blows, he blows the fattest. He rips the fattest little vape cloud I've ever seen. I looked at it. I saw exactly what Bunker was using. Andy, he was using a Bunk Tech, Bunk Tech cloud atomizer, a Z69X with a fathead Muffmaster Hydro Coil Limited Hemi Edition. Wow, vape! And he was ripping forty ohms of fat fucking clouds, strawberry creme brulee breast milk, twenty milligrams e juice. And he just rips the fattest little cloud. And this cloud envelops me, Andy. Oh, yeah. Envelops me. And I get carried away like I'm fucking Goku from Dragon Ball. You remember how Goku rode a cloud in Dragon Ball? You don't remember? That's fine. This magic staff. And this cloud envelops me and it carries me to the bunker, Andy. I was in the sky. He ripped a fat fucking vape cloud in my face. Strawberry creme brulee breast milk. What a flavor. Is that the flavor? That was the flavor. I was like tasting. I was like, strawberry, creme brulee, breast milk. I didn't even know they made that a flavor, but apparently they do. Wow. (laughs) Bunk Tech. I guess the newest, hottest brand of vape. Uh, Wow. Is he, I guess. Well, Bunker was always a smoker. We know that. Right. So I guess maybe he's trying to. Get down his nicotine levels. This is unusually corporate for him if he's, uh, was he going to be on Shark Tank? I mean, maybe. I mean, he, you know what? He's a tinkerer. We know that. No, yeah. Yeah. So he made his own brand of vape because I guess he didn't want to use Jewel or any of the other brands. So he was smoking a Hemi. It had a Hemi engine in it. It had a Hemi. It was a Hemi. <laughs> he's smoking a Hemi. It's a Hemi. He's Just vaping like a Hemi. Yeah. Um, it was a fat, I'm telling you, Andy, it was huge. He had two hands. I'm telling you, this thing looked like one of those battle bots, but it was painted like Gravedigger, the monster truck. <laughs> this is one hell of a vape. I mean, it looked like a Power Wheels. Yeah. Like a, like a RC car type yeah. thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Power Wheels. Yeah. 40 ohms. <laughs> what do any of those measurements mean? Ah, you got me. I'm not cool enough to vape. You got to ask Bunker. 40 ohms. Of uh, you know, Muff Master Hydro Coil Fathead Limited Edition Hemi. Yeah. So I guess get them while they're hot, listeners. Bunk Tech Vapes in stores now. You can find them at all your favorite vape shops like uh, uh, fucking Smokescreen, Smoke Shop, Vape Monkey. All the all your vape shops. <laughs> Go to any store that has a uh. <clears throat> A like clown face on yeah. the sign. The more obnoxious the marijuana leaf is on the logo, the better the store. 
<laughs> Look for stores with multicolored lights lining the window, <laughs> uh, multicolored LED lights lining the window, and some sort of a, a smiling evil clown yeah. on its logo. And yeah. you'll find undoubtedly yeah. inside is smoking paraphernalia. Clowns know how to pack a bowl because they all pack themselves in those little cars. Yeah. So they know it's the how same to pack principle. A bowl. Yeah. Anyway, Andy, I got vaped. <clears throat> wow. I got vaped. I got vaped. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, given some of the recent trends in your abductions, this one is pretty gentle. I have to say you that floated cloud, here on a cloud. While it did taste like breast milk, strawberry creme brulee, and undoubtedly, you know, I probably got some sort of yeah. nicotine high or yeah. it was very gentle. It was a gentle cloud and mm-hmm. it was fat. It was a fat, it was a nice vape rip, I have to say. Yeah. I mean, so that's good. I mean, yeah. it's probably messed up your health. A little but, bit. But, you know, whatever. Speaking of health. Yeah. How did I get here this week? How did you? Oh, yeah. What about you? Well, uh, as you know, Art, but uh, the listeners don't know, um, I am... Uh, Andy? Yes, I am Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you know, and the listeners don't know yet, that I go every year for a physical checkup with my general practitioner. Do you my, really? My doctor. I didn't know that. Yeah, I do. Uh, Good for you. I do it uh, once a year. Uh, okay. For a physical. Just a physical. Just a physical. Just a physical. Come on and get physical. It physical. Um, so I had my annual physical Okay. Um, and I went to the doctor's office, and it's pretty pretty routine. Pretty stuff. routine stuff. Um, they I'm, do the knee test. They this, check your heart. This I haven't even been to see the doctor yet. Oh, okay. So I check in. Um, play with your nipples. Right. The, your doctor the front, does that too? at the front desk. Yeah, oh. they ask you to <laughs> tweak your nipples. Just the receptionist. Okay, good. How your blood I just want to make sure you're going to a reputable, a reputable doctor. Yeah. So yeah. I, I check in at the front desk. Sure. And they tell me it'll be a few minutes. You know, they give me they give me one of those HIPAA forms to fill out. HIPAA forms, yeah. Right, right, where you draw a picture of a hippo yep. from memory. Mm. Uh, and I am sitting there working on that, and uh, I finish. Uh, it looks pretty good. I chose to go with uh, a male hippo marking its ah. territory, mm. which for those in the know – the hippo sprays uh, dung out of its butthole and then spins its tail around like a helicopter to Naturally. splash around. So I was drawing that, and when I finished, uh, you know, they hadn't called my name yet. So I figure, you know what, I will do. Uh, I will. I will make the best use of the doctor's office waiting room. Yeah, I'm going to read a magazine. When do you ever get to read a magazine? These Not anymore. Days? They're being phased out. Yeah. So you know this this uh, this doctor's office has like a coffee table sure. in the middle of the room, and there's like stacks of Sports Illustrated oh. and Better Homes and Garden and hopefully the swimsuit magazine. edition of yeah, Home only, and Garden. Yeah, only the swimsuit edition of Better Homes and Garden. Yeah, and these go back like. You know, thirteen years. So this is a substantial stack of, oh, hell yeah. of magazines, and uh, I'm trying to decide what I want to read. Like, I'm thinking, you know what? I'm I would really like to read about the pre All Star Major League Baseball season from 2006. <laughs> so I'm what a year digging through the stack of Sports <laughs> Illustrated's looking for that. Um, and wouldn't you know it? 
the whole dang stack of magazines collapses on top of me. Wow. So you're, an, you're picking them off the... I'm like flipping through. The gotcha. magazines are above my head. Yeah. So I've got my hands in the air and I'm like thumbing through oh looking for the... Oh boy. And there's a magazine lanch and I get covered in magazines. Uh, Magalanch? Okay. Magazine lanch. Listeners, let us know what you think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> On the usage there. Anyway, there's a magalanche, magazine lanche, and uh, I am covered in magazines. Oh, no. And I'm like, well, I feel like a freaking dope. Yeah, I know. Wouldn't you're you causing a ruckus. Yeah, and so I'm like, I'm going to have to pick up these. And I try to get up, and I'm like pinned underneath the magazines. Jeez. And, you know, it's it's dark. It's hard to see what's happening. And so I shift around a little bit, Yeah. and it feels like the magazine's envelop me oh no like magazines slide underneath my body oh you're getting paper cuts yeah i'm getting tiny cuts all over me i'm starting to get lightheaded from the blood loss the ink uh yeah the ink the aroma of the ink uh is like clouding my judgment i see where this is going so i just start spinning and spinning and spinning like a broken washing machine and uh eventually i become aware that i'm like levitating and I've left the doctor's office. I see sunlight poking through the magazine. Oh, my God. And it's at that moment that I hear the familiar grunting sounds oh. of Mr. Bunker. <laughs> what? As he struggles to carry me. The whole stack of magazines was Mr. Bunker. Oh, wow. So this so this, uh, this giant magazine yeti... Uh, <laughs> Which I can, that's the only way I can describe his costume with me as like a pregnant. It's like a ghillie suit made of magazines. Made of magazines. But he looks like, he looks like he's pregnant because <laughs> I'm like curled up in the belly part of the suit. You're like a kangaroo. You're a baby roo. Right, right. For Australian right. listeners. And so, you know, I'm bleeding, um, <laughs> high on ink, and he waddles all the way back to the bunker with me. Jeez. And then, and then like, gives birth to me oh. in, you know. So he the laid bunker. on his back and put his feet up in stirrups and then anatomically correctly gave birth to you out of his magazine ghillie suit? No, not, not anatomically correctly. Oh, okay. There was so not, he got some things wrong there with the like, cervix. There weren't like, like female sex organs built into the suit. <laughs> okay. But he like pushes me out of the belly. I got you. And down through his legs. Oh. And I just come out with a thud. Onto the concrete bunker floor. Like a baby Bjorn. And, you know, there's slime from my sweat, oh. saliva, and blood. See, so look like Keanu Reeves in the out. Matrix. Yes. When he wakes yes. up. Oh, With more God. hair, though. With more hair, though, yes. Lots of beautiful locks. Yes, more hair. And uh, body hair. And, uh, yeah, that's how no, I got bro. here. Wow. Pubes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Andy. Uh, Bunker needs to take have you take that line again. Pubes. <laughs> were you ready for me? Yeah, yeah, we were ready. We got it. We're good. We're good. Sound speeds. Pubes. Is this live? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, listeners. Not anymore. Hey, Pubes. we're doing it live, baby. We'll do it live. We'll live. We'll do uh, it live. We're gonna be live. Uh, live casting. Live. We're, we're hey, let's get into the broadcast booth with uh, your co-host. Oh, you want me to do a Brett Musburger? You are looking live on the bunker. 
on the bunk. You here with the bunk. Is that what you were going for? Is, I don't know. Uh, what I was, I'm like trying to segue into thing? the script. I'm trying to segue into the script. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I haven't done your, do. uh, you haven't done. You haven't done. We'll, we'll get into it. Into the discussion. Let's get to the script, Danny. Okay. I, I, these listeners are hungry for the whole enchilada. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Because we're here in the broadcast <clears throat> booth and we've got a big plate of whole enchilada for you listeners. Oh, listeners, do we ever. It's spicy. It's sweet. It's got acid. It's got heat. Ooh. <laughs> it is... Sports is fake. Yay, yay, yay. Sports. It's fake. Yes, Andy. I'm going to describe you now as a wrestling dabbler. Okay. I'm not willing to describe you as a wrestling enthusiast, uh, but I know you know a bit about the sport. Fair. Uh, say fair. I'm I'm reserving enthusiasts for the the truly passionate, the people who are still watching. Right. Um. So, Art, even though we both enjoy watching nude men grapple. Mm. Right now, I'm specifically talking about professional wrestling. That's so right. Not lis- Turkish mud wrestling. Right. So listeners, think WWE, not the Olympics. Art, question for you. Who is your favorite wrestler and why? Uh, if you can't pick one, maybe just say a couple you like. Andy, let me you stop like you right them. there. Easy. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Done. Why? Because he, not only was he one of the greatest technical wrestlers, people always overlook how good he was at technical wrestling, Andy. Before he was Stone Cold Steve Austin, after he was stunning Steve, I think he was stunning Steve Williams when he was part of the Hollywood Blondes. Then he kind of, when he moved into WWE, they didn't know what to do with him. So he became the ringmaster. And he was this dude who had just like this stone, like it's hard to describe him without using his name, but. He had this just blank face and he was like the perfect wrestler. He was like, uh, he was this, I forget who he, like, he belonged to someone. Like, he was like somebody's, like, uh, protection. Like, he was like, yeah, like, he had like a manager who would like, be like, you can't beat my ringmaster or something who would cut all his promos for him. And And Stone Cold was silent. But once they transitioned him into this new character uh, of Stone Cold and he started cutting his own promos. Not only was he one of the greatest technical wrestlers of all time, greatest promo, greatest promos ever. I mean, comedic, uh, just like dramatic. I mean, off the cuff stuff, like the stuff that Stone Cold did, he fucking initiated the whole Attitude Era. He fucking, uh, some of the greatest stunts of all time with WWE have all been Stone Cold. Very, very few wrestlers can you just play one second of his theme song, The Glass Shattering, (laughs) and instantly the crowd will pop so fucking hard, harder than they pop for some of the the, the biggest matches that they have nowadays. When Stone Cold comes back to wrestling, he gets the biggest pops of all time. Stone Cold is just number one by far. Also, 
it, you know, his name happens to have part of my name. Right. But it's just like everything just worked You're, perfectly for him. Yeah, Art's real name is Austin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I just loved him. So the attitude, like he was every like loser <laughs> fans and just like in general, like everyone who ever wanted to flip off their boss <laughs> identified with Stone Cold Steve yeah. Austin. Anyone who ever felt like they couldn't stand up to the big guys loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. He just like was all attitude. All right, Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, a Easy. clear number one for clear you. Clear number one, easy for me. Um, and we'll talk about my top five. There's some. I mean, I'm gonna have you know takers up there, HBKs up there. Yeah, sure. Where do I put Brett the Hitman Hart? I don't know. Okay, but Stone Cold's your clear number one. And we're just talking, you know, modern era, right? All right, you know. But what about uh, what about uh, the matches? Any favorite matches? Oh, easily when uh, Stone Cold, Stone Cold's bouts with The Rock are some of the greatest of all time because Stone Cold was king for a while during that Attitude Era. I mean, I think undeniably. But then The Rock showed up, and The Rock, like, man, he just hit the ground running. You know, he he was he kind of started, I think, as a heel. He was this like macho charisma guy who was like you know he was part of vince mcmahon's thing and vince was evil because he was the big business and stone cold was like the you know was everybody's fan favorite and then they kind of like the rock just man he was just good i mean the rock you know his dad was was a wwe wrestler uh the rock just fucking had it he had the build he had the charisma he was great at promos he had great fucking lines i mean can you smell what the rock is cooking and he always talk about like pussy as cherry pie, you know, that was a great one. That fucking eyebrow that he had, Brahma Bull, I mean, all that shit, you know, he was Mr. Hollywood. Yeah. And then they just sort of transitioned the two and those battles at WrestleMania 17 and 19 were, I mean, some of the best, you know, Austin won at, at WrestleMania 17, but then in 19 is when they kind of, uh, Austin kind of gave up the reins. Austin's run was kind of ending. He had that neck injury from fucking Owen Hart, who kind of ruined Stone Cold's career um, by messing up that pile driver that ended up shattering multiple, you know, it just broke his neck. He he was almost par- uh, paralyzed from the neck down. I mean, fucking insane. But uh, those matches between them, some of the greatest I've ever seen, Andy. Okay, <clears throat> big Stone Cold fan. Thank you. I I'm gather, I get that. Okay, um, Art, uh, and I'm a big fan of who we're about to talk about. Art, another question for you. Both of them. Art, yeah. Where were you specifically on April fifth, two thousand nine? What an Alan Jackson reference! Did you happen to be in Houston <laughs> at NRG Stadium? Wow, because Art. Listeners, on that date, that location hosted WrestleMania 25, the premier annual event produced by World Wrestling Entertainment, the USA's premier professional wrestling outfit. Art. Yeah. Did you know that some people consider the greatest match in professional wrestling history to be the WrestleMania 25 matchup between The Undertaker and Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid? Uh. It's a great match. Well, they do, Art. Okay. Picture it. The Undertaker is, at this point, uh, 16-0 and 0 
in victories at WrestleMania. He's undoubtedly one of the biggest in popularity and in sheer size. He's like almost seven feet tall. Yeah. He's like almost 300 pounds. Yeah. Uh, Wrestlers of all time. He's facing Shawn Michaels, another very popular wrestler uh, who went from villain to fan favorite back into a heel turn. To open the match, born-again Christian Shawn Michaels, dressed in white, descends from the ceiling. The Undertaker, meanwhile, enters the ring uh, amid his customary black attire, uh, lightning strikes, and funeral bells. Now, Art, I'm just a sexy boy, but this sure seems like a matchup between heaven and hell. Yeah, Yeah. you're telling me. Now, in the match, The Undertaker is driven to near madness like a forgetful ATM user, trying pin after pin, only to see the heartbreak kid break free and continue the match. Finally, Shawn Michaels launches off the turnbuckle, only to be caught midair and upside down by The Undertaker, who promptly executes a tombstone pile driver and pins HBK for good. Undertaker moves to 17-0 at WrestleMania, and Mr. WrestleMania, Shawn Michaels, Notches another match for the ages. Woo! Yeah! What a match, baby! <laughs> hey, can I just say one thing about that match? Uh, sure. I rewatched it as part of the research, and at one point, Shawn Michaels is outside the ring, like on the ground. You know, he's uh, not he's hurt. Quote right. Quote. Undertaker is inside the ring, runs against the opposite ropes, and then jumps out of the ring flips himself in the air. Meanwhile, seven feet tall man, 300 pounds, jumps out of the ring, turns himself, barely, barely almost lands on his neck because he doesn't almost complete the turn to try and do like a backflip, like land like land his back on Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels moves out of the way and he ends up landing on uh, well, the referee, someone else. The, the ref- referee is there and Shawn Michaels shoves the referee yeah. out of the way and then uh, the Undertaker flies into a cameraman. That's right, a cameraman. But like, I mean, is I'm is it? Yeah, a cameraman. Just the fact that he's almost seven feet tall, three hundred pounds, and he can jump and flip himself like that. Anyway, awesome match. Not disputing that, Andy. One thing to note about that match, other than what I just said, and indeed, almost all professional wrestling is that it's scripted. That's right. As thrilling as this match was, the outcome was already predetermined. Mm-hmm. Um, the action. A display of complex choreography uh, executed expertly by the skilled performers. Though wrestlers possess exceptional physical gifts, thank you, Andy, and wrestlers like The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels are experts in their craft, match results are all part of written storylines. Professional wrestlers, their injuries are real, are like hybrids between stuntmen and live theater action uh, actors. Oh, 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 hell yeah. It's like... uh... Like Sir Lawrence Olivier riding a big old motorcycle, or hog, or hog, through a plate glass window in a hail of gunfire, baby. Indeed, that's exactly right. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> now you're getting it, you stupid idiot. Oh. <laughs> wow, I'm well, a heel. I'm a heel in this script. You are a heel. <laughs> See, Andy and listeners, professional wrestlers live by the code known as KFOP. KFOB is basically the portrayal of scripted events as being true. It's the way that professional wrestling makes its fiction seem like fact. Professional wrestling uh, has basically always 
been a work of fiction. For decades, K-Fob was fiercely protected. Wrestlers were asked to maintain character even outside the ring. Scripted rivals were forbidden from traveling to matches together or even being seen in public with each other, all in the name of preserving the faux reality portrayed in the ring. This begs the question, though, if wrestling is so protective of K-Fob, how do we even uh, how do we even know about it, Andy? Wow, I am so glad you asked that question, Art. Listeners, just to prove that Art and I are on the up and up, let me rephrase that without the K-Fob. <clears throat> I'm so glad you read that question from the script that I wrote. Whoa. Whoa. And the, the curtain is down. <laughs> uh, essentially, Art, though, there was always speculation that professional wrestling was scripted. Despite the suspicions, folks in the wrestling business never acknowledged K-Fob until they had to. In 1989, Vince McMahon, owner of the WWE, testified before the New Jersey State Senate. McMahon was testifying to urge the senators to lift the athletic regulations to which pro wrestling was beholden at the time. In his testimony, McMahon admitted that wrestling was not competitive. The bill passed and sports entertainment was born. What this means, though, is that in order to maintain KFOB, pro wrestling allowed itself to be subjected to regulations and taxes designed to apply to bona fide athletic contests, and did so for years. Wrestling was willing to bear expenses to attempt to convince the public that their product was a genuine competition. Is it possible that other sports are similar to pre-1989 pro wrestling? Attempting to maintain airtight KFOB, all the while scripting the on-field or on-court action. Widespread scripting of action by any major athletic league has not been proven, but some things have come close. In 2015, seven officials of the Federation Internationale de Football Association. I got a lot so of many accents. accents in that one. It covers a wide the range. true global <laughs> sampling there. Also known as FIFA. FIFA, 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 were arrested under charges of money laundering, fraud, and bribery. FIFA is the international governing body of soccer, or as we like to call it, international football, a.k.a. footy. footy. <laughs> the charges stem from an investigation into con conclusion collusion between officials of Conmebol, right? <laughs> What do you yeah. think? How do you pronounce it? Yeah, Conway Ball. Conway Ball. And Concacaf. Yeah. Concacaf. 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 Is what I would say. Concacaf. Concacaf. I like it more throaty. Yeah. I like a more throaty pronunciation. <laughs> Which are international football organizations in the Americas. And sports marketing executives influencing the issuance of marketing and media rights. There were also allegations that illegal payments were used to influence the host site selection process for the World Cup, the premier international football tournament. So while the FIFA situation doesn't directly point to FIFA or any other international football body scripting the action on the field it does evidence the that money can play a corrupting influence in sport in this case with some of the more administrative aspects but where does the influence of money end isn't it possible that money 
could encourage malfeasance in sporting contests. Andy, yes, Art, and it has. <laughs> Let me tell you a little tale about a sport known as basketball. I've heard of it. The American Professional League is known as the NBA, the National Basketball Association. The situation. NBA referee Tim Donaghy is hanging out at the country club with a high school friend named Jack Concannon. They're golfing buddies and frequently gamble together. Concannon's bookie is a guy named Peter Rhino Ruggieri, who also golfed with the guys. Donaghy and Concannon start betting on professional American football games together based on Rhino's system for picking games. Eventually, in 2003, Donaghy and Concannon start to bet on NBA games. In fact, they decide to bet on the games Donaghy is refereeing. A sports betting syndicate of which Rhino was a part was booking the bets for Jack Concannon. The betting syndicate, by the way, was run by a group of people who, like Rhino, all had animal nicknames, leading some to call them, not very creatively, the animals. Very cool. Rhino noticed that Jack was betting larger amounts on certain NBA games. Rhino figured out that Concannon was betting bigger on Little Tommy Donaghy's games and winning even bigger. The animals started betting on Donaghy's games, but their syndicate broke up in 2004. Now on their own, at least one of the animals continued to bet on Donaghy's games. That animal? James Baba Batista. And by the way, listeners, animal noise onomatopoeia nicknames count as animal nicknames. Okay? We are, do you know? Okay? Okay. <laughs> anyway, Baba Batista contacts a friend of Donaghy's in 2006 to set up a meeting. Baba was worried that the gambling world had become wise to the Donaghy scheme and that the nice thing they had could evaporate. Baba offered Donaghy to pick the games he refereed, and if Donaghy's pick covered the spread, Donaghy would get a sum of money for his services. In the meantime, FBI agents covering the Gambino crime family got a tip from one of their informants about how much money illegal wagers on Donaghy's games were making the mafia. By mid-2007, the scheme was known to the NBA, and Donaghy resigned in July of 2007. In 2008, Donaghy was sentenced to 15 months in prison for his part in the scheme. Prior to sentencing, Donaghy alleged malfeasance by other referees and indeed the NBA itself. Among other things, Donaghy claimed that Game 6 of the 2002 Western Conference Finals was fixed because the NBA wanted to add another game to the series. <gasps> I know. A New York Post story that ran in July 2007 precluded any additional FBI investigation into Donaghy's claims. And post hoc investigations determined that Donaghy never fixed a game he officiated. Gamblers disagree, though, saying it was obvious that Donaghy was influencing the outcome of the games on which he had money. Andy, the Tim Donaghy case is definitely interesting, mm -hmm. but it is not even close to the OG betting scandal in pro sports. I am, of course, referring to my... Well, breaking kayfob here, beloved Chicago White Sox. We'll get into it. <laughs> it's complicated. And the infamous 1919 Black Sox scandal. For those not in the know, the Chicago White Sox are a professional baseball team in the U.S. of A., a part of the Major League Baseball. The World Series is Major League Baseball's championship, pitting the champion of uh, the the sub-league, the American League, against the champ from the other sub-league, the National League. 
Um, in the mid to late 1910s, White Sox, the White Sox were one of the best baseball uh, concerns going, Andy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they won the 1917 World Series, but despite this fact, legendary White Sox owner Charles Comiskey, of which the park was named after, yes, for a while, was disliked by the team. Comiskey was thought to be underpaying his players, despite the fact that the White Sox had the largest team payroll in 1919. Keep this in mind, though, listeners, this was before the Baseball Players Union and collective bargaining. So underpaying players was institutionalized. Neat. Neat. Players didn't make much money, and without protections in place for their continued employment, it was easy for gamblers to find players willing to join a scheme for a nice payday. And I'm not talking about a peanut-covered caramel nougat candy bar that I don't like. Oh, you... What? (laughs) I don't like them. Payday is an amazing candy bar. I haven't had one in a long time because I'm allergic to peanuts in some ways. (laughs) We'll get into it. Okay. Chick Gandle was the brains of the operation and was responsible for recruiting the White Sox players who joined in the fix. The basic plan was that the players would conspire to lose games in the World Series and, after each successful loss, would receive a payment from the gamblers. Word got out to other gamblers that the series might be rigged, though, and, and a lot of action started going to the White Sox opponent. The Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> this moved the line, okay. making the whole scheme less profitable than planned. Payments didn't come to the White Sox players as, as expected. So after game five, the conspirators changed the conspiracy in order to get back at the gamblers. The White Sox won the next two games of the series, inciting the gamblers to make threats against players and their families. Threats of violence. Andy, that is not not, oh, not threats of passion or kindness or lovemaking. Threats of passion. Yeah. Oh, I swear I'm going to be so passionate about model airplane construction. <laughs> threats of violence. Ooh. White Sox lost game eight, which cost them the World Series. The players involved in the scheme did finally receive their money. Anywhere from $5,000 to $35,000, which I imagine is quite a lot back then. Decent sum. Well, Art, these are some nice historical examples, but what about modern day? How about the current ongoing National Football League season? I've heard of it. Yeah. If you don't know, listeners, the NFL is the professional American football league. What are we talking about here exactly? Well, of course, we're talking about Antonio Brown. Mr. Big Podcast. That, is that what he calls himself? Maybe now. Okay. Uh, Antonio Brown was drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2010 and quickly became a standout wide receiver for the team. Brown is a seven-time Pro Bowler, twice led the NFL in receptions and receiving yards, and led the league in touchdowns once. Despite this on-field success, the Steelers traded Brown in March of 2019 to the Oakland Raiders. After being fined by the Raiders for a number of infractions, Brown eventually demanded to be released from the Raiders after the team voided guaranteed money in his contract. The Raiders obliged and released him on September 7th, 2019. Also on September 7th, 2019, Reggie Bush, current sportscaster and former NFL player, tweeted that if the New England Patriots sign Brown, the whole NFL is rigged. Well, guess what happened? Later on September 7th, 2019, Antonio Brown signed a one-year contract with the New England Patriots. Oh, oh, oh. 
So what's the big deal with the Patriots? While the New England Patriots are in the midst of perhaps the greatest dynasty ever in professional American football and maybe in all of American sport. Arguably. Arguably. The team has won six Super Bowls since 2001. The Super Bowl, by the way, is the NFL's championship game. Basically, the Patriots are one of the NFL's most successful and powerful clubs. Also, they had an interest in trading for Brown when he was leaving Pittsburgh, but the Steelers did not want to trade him to a major rival like the Patriots. Additionally, it was revealed that Brown engaged a social media consultant to help him get out of his contract with the Raiders. But that's not all, folks. This story gets... That's not all, folks. But... But that's not all, folks. <laughs> this story gets stranger still. Shortly after joining the Patriots, Brown's former personal trainer accused him of rape. Brown's former doctor also accused Brown of farting in his face multiple times and not paying his doctor bills. Brown has since been released from the Patriots and is, as of this recording, not currently on the roster of any NFL team. Also, we weren't joking about the farting in his face. You can Google that. He did that. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly he farted in that doctor's. And it's not like a joke that we put in the script. Right. It's not a it's not a joke. It's it's funny, but he's also accused of rape. Well, yes. Also that. <laughs> anyway, the Brown and Donahue cases both have allegations of professional sports leagues scripting action on the court or field or in some way manipulating the outcomes of contests. Let's dive into the rationale put forth by those people who believe that professional sports are indeed rigged. Um, these points are taken from the work of Brian Tui. Yeah, Tui. Author of the books The Fix is In and The Fix is Still In. The sequel, respectively. The Fix is In 2, The Fix is Still In. Yes. <laughs> First, professional sports are actually businesses. Entertainment businesses, to be exact. Sports entertainment? Where have we heard that before? That's right, with professional wrestling. <laughs> Tui suggests that the real businesses, the real business of all major sports is entertainment. And so leagues will strive to entertain their audience above all, even if it means making up storylines and compromising competitiveness. Wouldn't individual teams object to losing games just to satisfy a league-created storyline? Why would teams work so hard over the course of the year and just to participate in such a scheme, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Tui suggests that it's because the four major sporting leagues in the USA, the NFL, uh, the MLB, and the NBA, and the National Hockey League, or NHL, all have drafts and revenue sharing with some possessing antitrust law exemptions. As the uh, the FIFA scandal illustrates, media rights for major sporting events are quite lucrative. Um, these major leagues all have deals in place where revenue generated from media sources is distributed amongst some or all of the teams in the league. The same is true with ticket sales. Essentially, all teams in the league benefit when the league does well. So why not humble your team for... Uh, for the betterment of the league. Legally speaking, there aren't any laws that prohibit a sports league from predetermining its contests. There are laws on the books that were enacted in the wake of the 1950s quiz show scandal. Andy? Oh! That was a hot one. 
<laughs> where it was revealed that some television game shows were rigged. <gasps> the quiz show laws really only govern the rigging of intellectual contests, not physical ones. So arguably, sports are excluded from these rules. Tui further cites as evidence that any ticket you purchase to see a sporting event is only a license to see that event. The ticket in no way guarantees a fair contest or anything similar. Basically, as consumers, professional sports leagues can script the action on one hand and lie to us about the authenticity on the other. And we lack any real legal recourse. So what's the evidence that this is actually happening? Truthfully, it's mostly speculation. Outside of the instances we've shared here and other situations where people see incongruities, there's a lack of hard evidence. According to former gambler and current author of the book, No Gray Areas, Joe Gagliano, sports are hard to fix from the outside. Most team sports are challenging because of the number of players involved. Incentives in the most prominent sports are different now as well, reducing the effectiveness of traditional gambling techniques. One sport that Gagliano sees as a prime target for corruption is UFC. Gagliano says that fighters are paid poorly and are likely to have short professional careers. If they have the chance to make a big score while they can, they might be inclined to take it. One thing is for sure. With the recent reduction in regulation around sports betting in the USA, the major sports leagues could soon find themselves awash in gambling money, possibly influencing the outcomes of entire seasons worth of action. Maybe, though, gambling was never the problem all along. Maybe the real villains in this case are the sports leagues who provide the athletic products we love to consume. Just maybe all the thrilling moments and tremendous heartbreaks were just manufactured to keep us all tuned in. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Andy here from the podcast. I'm here with my co-host, your co-host, Art. Hey, listeners, how you doing out there? Folks, this is not an ad. This is a thank you. Thank you for being a listener. We appreciate everyone who listens to the show, and um, it means a lot to us because, um, you know, we work hard to to provide you a great product. And if you're loving it, hey, share it with your friends. Maybe they'll love it, too. Thanks, listeners. We love you. Back to the show. Hey, welcome back, listeners. That was our research into the idea that sports is fake. Sports, sports are fake. Sports are fake. fake. They aren't real. (laughs) (laughs) No, let's get this out of the way, Andy, real quick. Yeah. I want to do two things right at the top. One, I want to say this. Whether sports are rigged or not, the injuries are real. The athletes who are putting their bodies online for this competition, the work and talent, and talent is a dumb word that people use to mask 
the immense hard work that athletes Mm -hmm. now some people like lebron their bodies are just designed to be athletes like lebron could play any sport and he'd be he'd be naturally he's gifted in ways that uh, we are not but um it's also the immense hard work that he puts in right every single fucking day to be the best yes uh but if he was a fighter if he was a ufc fighter he'd be an amazing UFC fighter. I mean, his whole body is just designed to compete athletically. If he was a football player, he could play pretty much any position besides O-line. Um, I mean, and maybe defensive tackle, but anyway, I just want to get that out of the way. So we're not here to shit on athletes. And hey, let's say this too. Yes, professional wrestling is scripted. Yeah. Always has been. Always will be. Yeah. Calling it fake is wrong. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. these wrestlers uh-huh. that are on professional stages are, uh, like you said, incredible athletes. They work exceptionally hard to get the where they are. Injuries are so real. Injuries are real. And these, these wrestlers are uh, incredible performers and um, excellent, like, choreographers improvisers improvisers yeah andy thank you andy thank you for saying that andy finally you're saying something that isn't bullshit finally something that's coming out of your mouth is truthful and (laughs) awesome and real and passionate i love it thank you andy (laughs) i i just i think that it's uh like saying wrestling is fake god i fucking hated those kids when i was little it's not it's not it's not that it's fake were you real were you one of those kids because I love I loved wrestling from like uh I don't know like seven, eight or nine years old till I was like fourteen or fifteen when I kind of stopped watching it. But I uh, there was always that one kid like uh well actually it's fake you know it's fake right it's all fake and I would be like it's not fake I would have to sit there and defend it. Are you one of those kids, Andy? Um, when Answer I was me truthfully when I was a kid, I liked wrestling. And were you one of those fucking kids? I was skeptical about the reality of it, but I wasn't one of these people. I don't recall. Well, actually, going it's fake though. Yeah. But at some point, I got to this point where I accepted that it wasn't real, and I'll admit that 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 hindered my that that stopped my interest in it. Yeah. At the I time, mean, I I kind of stopped watching it but more on that to come yeah around like early high school because and and i but i think really what started happening was the wwe started changing um a lot of the wrestlers that i loved and grew up with kind of left and so i kind of just fell out in love with Mm -hmm. the personality and it was just over the attitude era was over and the early 2000s era was over but um and i didn't have any friends who liked it really i didn't have anyone to share in it with so yeah. I kind of lost interest in it, but um, you've had a wrestling renaissance of sorts. No, I don't watch it still. I, I, it's probably people. It's probably worse now than people say that it's like uh, independent wrestling leagues are better than the WWE. Now the WWE is like most people, I think, agree that like Vince McMahon has lost touch, uh, regardless of his shady business practices. But that he's lost touch with what the fans kind of want. Boy, hard to believe that a multi-billionaire <laughs> can't relate to fans. Yeah, of the uh, sport. 
I mean, but even before he was a multi-billionaire, he, you know, he would just eat up all the local competition. That's how the WWE became the WWE. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, evidenced by the fact that Undertaker, one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time throughout generations. Yeah. The dude has been in, in the wrestling world since... He started wrestling in the 80s. Yeah, and he's still going. He's still going. I, mm, yeah. But he, he... Seems like a bad idea. Uh, well, listen. Uh, he, one of his things that people loved about him was that he's undefeated at WrestleMania. Never right. lost. Then the WWE, they finally, when they finally decide to break his, his, uh... Streak. His streak, which they could have just let him retire with. No. Who do they make him break it up to? Roman Reigns. Mm-hmm. The uh, the WWE like forced uh, hero boy that nobody wants. <laughs> yeah. Nobody likes Roman Reigns. Nobody wanted Roman Reigns to win. Nobody cares. Yeah. Lost touch. You know, I, I watched or became aware of something in re- professional wrestling a few years ago after not paying attention at all for a long time. Yeah. And it was the wrestler, wrestler Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And I saw this guy in the ring and I was like, I don't get it. What am yeah. I supposed to like about him? And it was just like, everything I read about him was like, Oh, he's just an average guy. That that was the whole thing is he's just the underdog. I was like, this doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. I, I'll be honest. I like the cartooniness. I think I do too. The like the attitude era, the WWE. Yeah. Like it's it's over the top, but wrestling's over the top. Yeah, you had like um I mean it was a little bit it was a little bit racier back then. Like there's certain things that they did back then that you probably mm, couldn't do. Like they yeah. got rid of all the diva stuff. Yeah. And I think most people agree that that was most people like the idea that, you know, that there are like female actual wrestlers and athletes and it wasn't just like brawn panty matches, which, you know, when I was 12, I mean, those were cool to watch. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, I enjoyed watching those quite a bit. <laughs> I, I'm not going to sit here and lie to the listeners that I didn't enjoy every time Stacy Keebler was on the air. Like, yeah, I liked it a lot. I was 12. I was like 13 or 14, you know? Like, it was awesome. Tori Wilson. Like... Stable, Trish Stratus. I mean, you want me to keep naming them? Lita. I just remember China. China was great. China was like one of the like, yeah, she was like a like a a wrestler rather than she was still a diva, but she was like also in that wrestling element. Yeah. Same with Trish Stratus. Uh, anyway, Lita too was was very much a wrestler, but um, you know they got rid of some of that stuff, some of the other stuff like. I don't know if you still see characters like Val Venus or Saturn, Perry Saturn mm-hmm. or uh, the Godfather. <laughs> um, Venus, the penis, Venus, the penis. Um, you, you know, uh, some of the, I mean, what's, there's a little person who was a wrestler and he like played a leprechaun character or something. Oh, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's distasteful. But I I agree with you. Like the some of the just cartoonish, like the big personality, like you know John Cena is a really good example of somebody who is just like amazing improviser, hilarious guy, athletically gifted. Uh, 
you know, all the above. I mean, just like he has the whole package. You said it, The Rock. The Rock's the a rock. Like he's he was destined to be a superstar. Yeah, I mean, not a very good actor, but he still makes it work in these yeah. action movies. He has he has a niche, and yeah, he's he doesn't. Could argue that he's better than Stone Cold. I mean, I don't know. In well, some gonna, ways, I I'm mean, not going to argue that. I'm not going to argue it either. Stone Cold's number one, baby. But uh, anyway, that's wrestling. <laughs> yeah, wrestling. Wrestling is scripted, but. Let's not diminish in any way the uh, level of effort that wrestlers put in yeah. and the amount that they suffer. Eddie Guerrero, Chris Benoit. I mean, you know, the names are endless, unfortunately, of uh, wrestlers who get addicted to drugs because it's a hard fucking life. And yeah. uh, or they have massive CT injuries and just do terrible things. It's tough. I mean, because it's, uh, you know. It's like a lot of the times they don't have adequate time to heal their bodies. No, they have none. You know, it's like with... with they're other... obviously on steroids. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen I've I've seen Hulk Hogan shoot steroids into his ass. I've seen it. <laughs> and you can see it too. It was on a DVD. Every time you close your eyes. <laughs> I've seen it happen. I've seen Hulk Hogan shoot steroids in his ass. I, I mean, I don't think there's any Someone doubt. pulled down his bright yellow trunks... And his flabby, tanned, like fucking old football looking ass cheeks, <laughs> meaty, chunky ass cheeks, and they put a little needle right in his ass. And I watched it happen. Uh, listeners, look out for the director's cut of this episode <laughs> where there's uninterrupted five minutes of art describing Hulk Hogan's ass. <laughs> I mean, it looked like the leather on my nice boots. You know what I'm saying? Tanned, baby. That hide, but wrinkly. Worn. Uh, Hulk Hogan lost inches of his height. Hulk Hogan used to be like 6'6", 6'7", or something. Uh, maybe I'm getting those numbers wrong. He's like 6'3", now, because of years of doing his signature leg drop move and just landing on his fucking ass. He has compressed his spine. Yeah. To the point where it is, uh, it's un, uh, he can't, uh, have it, uh, it, it's, uh, what, what's the word for like, it can't be repaired. It's irreparable. Irreparable. <laughs> you know what? Um, it's just part of the fucking thing, man. The like re the WrestleMania 25 match, Shawn Michaels and the Undertaker. <sighs> now, I, like the Undertaker, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, one thing about the Undertaker when I was a kid that made me feel like this is all not not real. Yeah. Is is probably the tombstone pile driver. I I, I have a note about this too. Because <laughs> and and I have to say that I have a note about this too. We should be thankful for the Undertaker that his finishing move is something that must be semi safe for the other wrestler. Where he he's big enough that he can hold you above the ground. That's right. But also drop to his knees. Right. Where it looks like you hit the ground, but it's just his knees. Yeah. For, and for for people who don't know, the Tombstone Piledriver is essentially you are picking up your opponent and flipping them uh, to the point where their head is in your crotch. Right. And your you're face 69ing. Is, you're, with... you're literally 69ing right. while standing up and holding them. And you kind of either fall on your ass or in the Undertaker's 
move, you fall to your knees and you have the impression that you are driving their head right. straight into the ground. You're obviously not. The Your ass cheeks or your knees are cushioning the blow. And if done correctly, no one gets hurt. Well, the person doing the move has to land on their ass, which right. undoubtedly hurts a lot. But that is why Stone Cold Steve Austin had his neck injured because Owen Hart didn't do the pile driver correctly. Stone Cold's head was actually... Mm-hmm. sticking out below his hamstrings and he actually landed on his head and right. you know obviously was uh injured you know to the point where it pretty much shortened his career right he had to have neck surgery and he couldn't uh yeah wrestle as much anymore yeah, there's very real risks all the moves in WWE are completely faked and if they were ever done in real life the people would be dead but hey I'll say this <laughs> so Undertaker does the, the the tombstone pile driver a couple times on Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, meanwhile, is is like Undertaker is like punching Shawn Michaels. And you know, it's the wrestling punch where the, you're punching and you also stomp your foot to make a noise. Yeah. Well, they occasionally do connect. Yeah, sure. And but they're good at it. Yeah, they're very and that's why they're the best improvisers on the planet. Yeah. They're better than us. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because not only are they improvising bar. with their <laughs> not, admittedly. Yeah. I mean, not hard to pass that bar. Yeah, yeah. You know? And they're actually performing in front of people. <laughs> they, yeah, they do their act for real people, and people actually enjoy it. Uh, anyway, uh, Shawn Michaels is slapping Undertaker's chest. Oh, yeah. And you can see, at the end, Undertaker's pecs are, like, red and swollen. Oh, yeah. From Shawn Michaels slapping him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I mean... That had to hurt. Oh, yeah. That hurt. Adrenaline is a hell of a drug. I yeah. mean, they're in front of like 50,000 people. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're amped up for sure. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you know, there's, they're, they're actually taking the blows. I mean. Oh, yeah. And, and when you're like, when Undertaker's flying through the air, we talked about it earlier, there's no way that didn't hurt. There's no way oh, to make yeah. that comfortable. You can roll into it like certain high-flying wrestlers like Rod Van Dam or whatever, like Rey Mysterio. They're really good at like trying to land in a way that they don't get hurt, but you're, you're still, still landing still, on the fucking physics. Mat. Physics means that yeah. it hurts. You're like oh, 200 pounds of meat. Right. And you're fucking jumping into the, I mean, yeah, it's going to hurt no matter you can, what. You can transfer some of the force, but you're still going to absorb some of it. Eventually you're coming uh, to Sean Michaels finishing move is the sweet chin music in which yeah. he stands at the turnbuckle and stamps his foot really hard and then does a super kick yeah. straight to the jaw of the opponent. Now, obviously he's probably done it so much that he's good at making it miss, but you got to think that a couple of those connected <laughs> at some point he actually kicked somebody in the cheek. yeah and knocked out a couple teeth or something right. for sure. I mean, obviously with, with him and the undertaker, they're, they're true pros. Oh yeah. It doesn't look like at any point does anything really connect because yeah. they're so skilled. But uh, but nevertheless, yeah. it's there's the risk of injury is is high. One of the things that I wrote about the pile driver move, it is funny that you bring that up, Andy. Is that mm-hmm. um, this idea that if wrestling were real, you know, like you pick someone up to pile drive them, they're not wriggling at all. They're not trying to get out of the pile driver move because. If they were to do that, they would actually get injured. They right. know that there's no risk you of just injury. Have to, you just have to let it happen. Yeah, you just have to. You just have to trust your scene partner, essentially, Undertaker, that he's going to land on his knees and not drive your skull into the fucking ground. 
Art, a uh, quick question for you about professional wrestling. Yeah. Um, what percentage of a match is um like like fighting action, and what percentage is two huge adult men laying on the ground <laughs> panting? <laughs> because I think it's about thirty-five, sixty-five. <laughs> You're not wrong, Andy. You're not wrong. I mean, like, if those fucking matches are going like 20, 30 minutes, like. That WrestleMania match is like almost a half an hour. Yeah, you're fucking I mean, it's tired. not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that they're doing a lot and it's got to be exhausting, but it's like, you know, you can tell that their athletic gifts, they're not, they're not exhausted like I would be. No. Like, they can still go. Oh, yeah. And they just pop up out of nowhere, but it's like they'll lay there and like. They look like they're so dazed. Oh yeah, for like minutes on end of just, and it's like it's they're communicating too. You don't. The camera cuts are really good, and yeah. I think you could probably see it more live. But um, they communicate with the ref. They're communicating with each other all the time. Right. Like, like they'll be like, "Hey, man, like, don't fucking like, like watch that shit. You're fucking like Stone Cold Steve. If you listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast, he'll talk about like matches he had where he was like." someone was really giving him the business or it's like they, they have all these code words like pops and heat and stuff. Like you're generating heat. You're getting the crowd real amped up. You know, um, that match, both Shawn Michaels does like two or three sweet chin musics and undertaker does like two or three, uh, choke slams. Another Mm -hmm. one of his finishing moves. Right. And like two pile drivers, like they're communicating that stuff. I don't, I don't know how much of that is pre choreographed. I know that wrestlers practice certain um, sequences of moves. Like you'll see this move a lot. Two wrestlers in the center of the ring. They always start the match with like grappling. Maybe they'll throw a couple of slaps and punches. Then they'll start doing something where they'll whip each other into the ropes or the turnbuckles. And there are sequences that they always follow where you whip your opponent in the turnbuckle. The opponent hits the ropes, runs back. You try and go for like a clothesline, they duck, they hit the other side, then you hip toss them, roll over. You practice these sequences. Right. And they're like little games in improv where it's just like, oh, okay, I'm going to do the clothesline. He knows to duck, like don't actually take this hit. Yeah. But then they also know that like they can feel the audience. They know what the audience is feeling. So I think for that match, you know, they just, they know that obviously it's like, okay, Sean's going to lose. Undertaker's right. going to win. Um, but they want to make it interesting. They need to hit the pop. They they feel the audience. They know when the apex hits. And then they know to like get the pin, end it. The the audience in that one. The audience. The audience. They show a lot of, of signs and stuff. People were rooting for Shawn Michaels to break the streak. People love Shawn Michaels. Yeah. He's just lovable. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the greatest. Um whether he was heel when he was like, or, you know, he was part, part of so many different great stables and clicks. I mean, him yeah. and Triple H had so many great matches. and He was part of the click. He was part of the click. And he was part of the Montreal Screwdrop. He was yeah. part of the Madison Square Garden curtain close, curtain which, uh, you know, we can talk about that, which kind of was the biggest KFA break in the history of WWE. Right. Uh, for, for the listeners, uh, essentially... Now, I'll, I'll not be able to remember everybody that was involved, but there were some wrestlers who were leaving the Kevin WWE. Kevin Nash and Bret Hart, I think, were leaving for WCW. WCW. Which, Triple H and Shawn Michaels 
were staying. And they had this. I think it was it was a tag team, right? Yeah, in, in Madison Square Garden. Yeah, they and, were supposed to be enemies in yeah. the KFOB. And at the end of the match, uh, they all come in the center of the ring and and give each other hugs. So sweet. Yeah, because they were they were friends. Real life, they were like well, best friends. I mean, Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. Not always. Not always. They had a real legitimate beef. Sure. Off, off outside the ring, but. But in this instance, there it's like it's like coworkers they, who have you've like right you just like that locker room camaraderie right like, they were bros and they were all hugging and people were like what the fuck you guys are supposed to be enemies yeah what is going on this yeah. is not right there you go K-pop yeah. broken they got in trouble for that Vince was not happy um and uh there was even there's even earlier incidences of things like this like the Iron Sheik. And hacksaw Jim Duggan got arrested in the eighties. Yeah, in New York, had a lot of drug problems because they were doing they were doing coke and drinking in a car. Yeah, <laughs> and they were supposed to be enemies. So, Yikes. I mean, that one got that one didn't like have the same I don't think lasting impact that the the Madison Square Garden curtain call did. Yeah, well, because Iron Sheik was always a heel and he was always right. comfortable playing the heel. Right. Um. Anyway. Yeah, that's wrestling. Andy, should we? Uh, maybe we should talk a little bit about our sports allegiances. Where listeners might want to know where we fall on uh, on our favorite sports teams, so that we can maybe talk about some controversies um, with them. All right. So, would you like to go first? Yeah, let me start. Um, collegiately, I went to Ohio State. The so Ohio State. I am a Buckeye through How come and you through. never say the? Aren't you supposed to say the? I don't, who cares? They're trademarking it. They, they can't. They got denied. Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. The, uh, uh, wow. It's, uh, you know, people who make such a big deal about it, like the Ohio State. I mean, I get why other people do non, uh, non-Ohio non State Ohio people. State alumni advancement team. Don't expect a check anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I don't. don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stop calling me. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, here's the thing. The 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 fellow Buckeyes that I know that make such a big deal about it being the are usually insufferable. And oh. that's a sign that you're an obnoxious ass. Whoa. God damn. Just let it be. Who cares? Fucking roasting and, them. And, and, and other- Like Buckeyes. Other people are right to mock us for it. And wow. I, I accept your mock art. I take it on. I'm not doing it mockingly. I thought I'm supposed to be doing it. <laughs> I thought I'm supposed to be doing it. <laughs> so collegiately, Ohio State all the way, baby. Um, I have no love for either team. You have no love for anything. Yeah, uh, I'm soulless. And uh, professionally, um, I let's 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 just go with like major four uh, sports. Um, professional football, the NFL. I root for the Cleveland Browns. Again, I am an. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's see what happens the rest of the season. <laughs> Big game with the Rams coming up. Anyway, uh, this, which the outcome will already have been known at the time that you're hearing this, listeners. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, let's see. Uh, so, Cleveland Browns uh, for prof- professional baseball, Major League Baseball. Uh, I don't follow it that closely, but um, you know the uh, the Cleveland Indians are were my childhood team, mm. and so if I'm rooting for anybody, it's it's the Indians. And uh, you know when they were in the World Series with the Cubs, I was cl- believe land all the way. Hmm. Um, the NBA, I really don't follow that closely. You to don't. be honest, You're I don't. An NBA guy. I don't. Uh, you know, uh, I always you love collegiate basketball, but. 
I, I, I don't know what it is about the NBA. That I mean, the Cavs have been historically terrible. And I, I, you know, until LeBron got there. Yeah. And I'm no LeBron fan. And, uh, I was never a Cavs fan growing up and I don't know. We just never, I never went to a professional basketball game. I've never been to a professional basketball game. Wow. Really? Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't follow that much. I, if I had to pick a team, um, the Suns. Ugh. Why would you pick the Suns? Because I like the Browns and the Suns are like, you, the do Browns you like pain? Like, yeah. The Suns are probably, I'd be hard pressed to say that they're, they're almost worse than the Browns in some ways. I mean, one I of the worst franchises in fucking the NBA, like Ugh. terrible ownership, just you're terrible. Right, you're right, Art. It's a bad choice. I'm going to go with the Wizards. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, I don't like the Seattle Supersonics. No, I'm going to go with the Magic. Uh, <laughs> magic. I'll give them. They had a couple good runs. Oh, but yeah, because Michael Jordan. Nobody can stop the Bulls, baby. <laughs> um, And then NHL, none of it. We don't. Neither of us give a shit um, about hockey. I, yeah, I don't, I don't follow it that closely, admittedly. But Does Ohio even have a team? Yeah, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, they actually... Never heard of that. They made the playoffs for the first time. Oh, so congratulations. uh, Although I do think that the, uh, I do think that the Las Vegas Knights are pretty cool. Vegas. They're cool because they're an expansion team that just got created and they were good. Conspiracy. Anybody? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about it. Um, For me, go go for you. I am a, obviously uh, you hate collegiate sports. Yeah. I didn't go anywhere that had any strong collegiate sports. I don't care for them. I think you have to have either you grow up in an area where they're really prominent because you don't have a professional team. I grew up in Chicago. I always had excellent professional teams to root for. So I, there was never a need for me to care for college sports. So Wow. I can't believe you didn't latch on to the Ron Zook era fighting Illini of Illinois. I remember that with uh, Deron Williams at point, right? I believe. Well, uh, Darren Williams, uh, Ron Zook was the football coach. Oh, we're not talking basketball. No, you're thinking of Bruce Weber, oh, Luther Head. Yeah, well, yeah they made a they made a they made a deep run into the uh, Sweet Sixteen. They won it all, didn't they? I don't think they did. I think they they did. No, that I team. So. I think that won it all. They lost at Ohio State. I didn't go to that game, but I was on campus at the time. Yeah, probably partying, fucking smoking a big doobie, drinking a fifth. Uh, <laughs> Andy casually ignored that, listeners. <laughs> I don't have to say anything. While Andy's looking that up, I am a uh, NFL, uh, I am a Bears fan. Basketball, I'm obviously a uh, huge Chicago Bulls fan. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about some controversy there. Uh, I don't follow baseball. I don't really care for the Sox. I guess I'm a Sox fan if I have to be. My family is Sox fans. If you have to be. I kind of despise the Chicago Cubs, and um, I look forward to a day where they're terrible again. Yeah. Are, Sorry. You're right. They lost. Yeah, they lost. Was that North Carolina? Sure. I didn't dig that far in. Anyway. Uh, I, I look forward to a day where the Cubs return to being terrible because uh, Cubs fans ruin my commute on the train every day. They uh, they make it uh, just unbearable to take the trains coming into the city. Um, just swarming it. Um, and I just despise that stupid fucking stadium. What you really, in the middle of my commute, what you really want art is you don't, the, the Cubs being bad doesn't, doesn't impact the regular season. No. 
But what you what you're actually hoping for is that they're bad so that they miss the postseason. Yes, I don't want them to be in the postseason that I have to deal with them into October or whenever the MLB postseason. Well, I've got is these news days. for you: their playoff <laughs> chances are on life support. Really? Yeah. Are they bad? No, but they're like in a death lock with the Brewers for the second wild card spot. Oh, really? I mean, they won. They won. They broke the curse. It's done. It's over. Okay. I don't think anybody cares anymore. Yeah. Now it's the Indians. Yeah. Um, and then I don't watch NHL either, but the Blackhawks, you know, it's cool that they had, uh, they were fucking, I used to be, used to be able to go to Blackhawks games for like, they would pay you to come. They were so fucking bad. And, uh, they're back there now. (laughs) They're back there now, but they were, they were a bit of a dynasty for a little while. It was a dynasty. Um, so that's where Andy and I fall in the sports spectrum. So, uh, get at us with our hot takes on our rooting interests. Hot takes. Now... So, Andy, maybe we could talk a little bit about some controversies amongst our favorite teams here. I think one of the biggest was uh, Chicago native and favorite Derrick Rose. Uh, Yeah. Chicago-born, Chicago guy, ends up playing for the Bulls, the Bulls with the number one pick. Now, I need to look up the exact numbers real quick here. Exact numbers of what? Derrick Rose's injuries? Because I don't think that can be calculated. Fuck you. He's coming back, okay? <laughs> they need to... They'll have to send away... He worked hard. The Bulls overcame a 1.7% chance to win the top pick in the 2008 NBA draft. Now, the NBA, for listeners who are unaware, has a, a lottery system based on your record. And you... uh you kind of draw from a uh, almost like a uh, like you draw numbered balls from a lotto pool to determine your uh, draft chance and the uh, various percentages of based on your record kind of determines what percentage you could get the top pick. Um, so the Bulls only had a one point seven percent chance. Now everybody wanted Derek. Derek Rose is one of the top prospects coming out of college that year. Um, he was an amazingly explosive point guard, ball handler, scorer, defender, all over the field. The dude was just unbelievable. And the Bulls got it with 1.7%. Now, you could say, like, is there some collusion there? You know, those are pretty fucking low odds. You really don't see that shit kind of happen very often. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And don't forget that somebody took uh, Derrick Rose's SAT for him. That's true. He got into a lot of trouble uh, years later because uh, he, uh, which, you know, I don't give a shit. Let's just be honest, Andy. The NCAA is full of bullshit. You agree? Uh, Bullshit rules. Art, I want to come out and agree with you as strongly as possible in that, that the NCAA Wow. I love how you open up things by not, no one knows where you're going to go with them. (laughs) Art, I want to come out and say, it's like, where's he going with this? What's he going to say? I, you're just a little politician, aren't you? I, when are you going to run for office? I like the, trust me, (laughs) everything that I've done in my entire adult life precludes me from running for office. Well, Andy, I, I don't think that's true anymore. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Uh, Art, the NCAA uh, sucks a big old fat dong. Does. 
Art, uh, the NCAA is what's absolutely wrong with uh, a lot of athletics in this country. And I think that it's such a good thing that the NBA, for example, has uh, put money into developmental leagues. Yeah, G leagues. And made it so that if you don't want to go to college... Why should you have to go there? Yeah. I don't think that I don't think that colleges and universities should be developmental leagues for professional sports. And football is the worst of all. Oh, football's the worst. Every every you cannot get into the NFL unless you go to college basically. For 4 years. It's 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 almost I know there are some international players who obviously didn't go to college necessarily yeah. that have made it, but it's so rare. I mean, we're talking these are like I mean, tiny percentage. Yeah. Basically, the pipeline is through colleges and universities in in the United States. It's it's, it's a big it's load of bullshit. Back in the day, you know, when these leagues were first started, it made a little bit more sense. It was like you kind of played football, and then you were also a student getting a really good education. But it's so different now. The money is so different. Like, and the expectations. The expectations. The game has changed immensely. These players are. Three times as big, the like, just the injuries in football alone. You could snap your fucking leg in half in football, and your whole career's done. And then it's like, okay, cool. As- aside from that, I'm glad I made no money. Uh, I heard recently, Art, that uh, like modern science basically feels that human beings shouldn't play tackle football until they're at least 20 years old. Because your brain is continuing to grow and develop. And so they say your brain isn't fully done growing until 25. And uh, mine never developed. (laughs) Yeah, mine, mine got stunted. But uh, I used to mainline coffee and cigarettes uh, when I (laughs) was was in elementary school. But I walked around my elementary school. I was known as the IV kid. I had an IV drip of uh, nicotine and coffee. (laughs) Just all together. I was two feet tall and I... (laughs) Weighed 40 pounds. I was so fucking cool. Everybody wanted to sign my full body cast. Because my bones were so brittle. Yeah, there was nothing wrong with them. They just would break at the someone looking at them. I have glass bones. That's why I can never play in the NFL. I am like a bird. I have hollow bones. <laughs> uh, and... I, I regurgitate food for my younglings. <laughs> I regurgitate food for my younglings. Baby, I got very more. Baby, if you come near my nest, I'm going to fly inside your hair <laughs> and pick and scratch your eyes. Um, uh, the, the, the biggest thing that the NCAA does that's bullshit and is just starting to possibly change with some new legislation out there in California is uh, that... NCAA players do not own uh, the their their own likeness and their own name. Meanwhile, the stadiums, the organizations, the schools, blah, 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 are profiting millions and billions of dollars off of these kids' names and likenesses. Now, uh, you know what? I, I think these kids deserve to own their own names and likeness. I think at the bare minimum, fucking pay them a student worker wage. These kids will get in trouble if somebody gives them food or money so that they can feed themselves. It's bullshit. And they're expected to do so much work 
uh, yeah. on their own time. Give them 10 bucks an hour. Will you pay the kid at the bookstore to sell the kids jerseys? Yeah, they can't They can't take a job like working in the bookstore. Give them 10 bucks an hour so they can buy McDonald's when they're fucking hungry because they had two-a-day practices and playing for your bullshit tournaments. And listeners, I hear you. While also studying bullshit classes that they don't care about. Right. <laughs> I, and, and here's one thing. Get a, get away from it with colleges altogether, because yeah. either either you have to do this, you have to say this is just an ingrained part of the collegiate experience in athletics, and you have to start saying let's have a professional football major, let's have a professional basketball where major. they teach you how to manage your money, how right. to be smart about sports science, how to, uh, maybe it's classes on marketing and social media, yeah, about how to manage your <laughs> how to delete your old tweets where you uh use gay uh you know like gay slurs and racial slurs yes, and other things uh, you know protecting your image <laughs> i mean get them into law classes yeah so that they can learn about uh intellectual property and all the rights that they have with respect to their own person their name their likeness i mean like yeah. there's so many things that you you could do but i'm not really in favor of that to me okay Look, uh, I Ohio State is a football school all the way. They try, I mean, touchdown. I think people should embrace basketball more than they do there, but it just And their volleyball team. The great men's volleyball team, <laughs> back-to-back champions. Uh, you know, the the thing is uh and the great women's hockey team, embrace them too. Uh embrace all the athletes uh because they work hard. But here's the thing. I think that except for badminton, fuck you, badminton, fuck you, badminton. Just play tennis. <laughs> Pick a sport. Oh, it gets me fired up. We know what you're up to. Naming your your ball the shuttlecock. Yeah, you're just a big troll, aren't just you, badminton? Freaking joke. <laughs> uh, so, but here's the thing. I think they should just. I would be gladly take uh, a more inept Ohio State football team if it meant that. The people that were playing on the football team were legitimate students trying to earn a degree who are also just playing football while they're there. Yeah. I don't feel like a lot of people are going to share that viewpoint. That's a that's a strong view. I, I mean, to me, I it it just it shouldn't be the it shouldn't be the development league. Yeah. Because the there's this corrupting influence of money uh that that pervades the sport. I mean what Nick Saban makes like eight million dollars a year? Oh yeah, it's insane. Like it's nuts, and it's like he can't do anything to help his his players who are like now, mind you, the the superstars, they're fine. Most of them are usually fine. I'm talking like the kids who ride the bench who are like you're not you're not going to the NFL. I'm sorry, those the kids who aren't going to make it. Those kids have to work just as hard. Yeah, but. No boosters are coming up to them right. and, and palming them hundred dollar bills. Right. I mean, the, and let's be honest, it happens. And yeah, I don't even. I'm not even. I don't even care about. No, it. we don't care. I don't care about the 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 kids. They should get paid. Then that goes away. Give them enough money to live and give Just them give them some money. Give them some pay that's commensurate with their their status. It doesn't it's, have to be the big checks they're making in the NFL, but like 
you take a third of that uh, paycheck and you're like to an 18 year old kid who's putting his body on the line or, or every night. You know, make some sort of instrument to like provide for their future based on their. Yeah, put it in a trust fund. Yeah. I you, mean, you, hey, you commit to Oregon. Insurance policy. I don't know why. Something. Why I picked Oregon. You commit okay. to Oregon for four years. Pack 12 after here. dark. <laughs> Art 12 after park. <laughs> I don't know. Like you, you commit because you know sometimes these superstar kids. Uh, most notably, you have uh, Tate. Uh, what's his last name? Tathan Martell. Tathan Martell, former mm- Ohio State quarterback, moving because he's not a good enough quarterback to actually play for any of these big name schools. Ooh, Art, he's not. He doesn't have the skills. He's five foot ten. Like, and he, he's not a good thrower. And he's a, he should play a different position. He should play a different position. He yeah. should be a cornerback. He's got speed. He's got legs. Play a different position. You're not a quarterback. He should put on a little muscle and become a running back. Or that. You'd be a good, like, Christian McCaffrey-style running back, you he know? He could be a, uh, like, a Percy Harvin type. Yeah. Yeah, everybody wants to be fucking quarterback. These quarterbacks, they move around to try and go to different schools. What if a school said, all right, you commit to us for four years. We're going to outline this, like, trust fund for you. We'll put some money away so that, you know, eh, injury, some sort of injury thing where it's like, hey... You get injured, you can continue your degree. We're not just going to drop you. That's the thing. You you get injured and you can't play football. You're done. Yeah. Bye-bye. Like, you're done. Yeah. You don't get to go to school there anymore. Although, how about this? Just let high school graduates go to the NFL and work in a developmental league. <laughs> or that. I, I see that as that is a long ways away because I think the colleges are going to fight that. Because they're oh, yeah. going to be like, where I'm not going to get any goods. But then they're that, that might also revenue. force the colleges to make better situations, more uh, appealing situations to these students. Hey, don't go to the G League. Come play for come play for the Tar Heels. You, four years here or two years here. You know that's the problem is that most. I mean, basketball is already one and done. It's such a joke. It's like you're going to go to college for a year. Just let them go to a G League, make a couple bones, and then go to the NBA like they were already going to do. Right. They're doing that so that they can make money. Yeah, one... And some of the, none of these guys are really ready. Very rarely are NBA players ready for the speed of the NBA uh, right out of the draft. Yeah. I mean, certain ones are, but like it's, the defense it's, is so much different. And yeah. offenses are so much faster. It's the, sa- just, like, it's the same way high school football players would never be ready for a professional league. Oh, yeah. You, there's, there has to be an in-between, but why does it have to be? It's even more different in Why does in it have to be football? colleges? I think I think in the NBA, you can have the Kobe's and LeBron's and the, the Kwame Brown's. <laughs> Great pick. <laughs> you see that shit a lot, Greg Oden. <laughs> there's a good example, you know? Like, yeah, thank you. Uh, sad. Um, Mike Conley. Mike Conley's was great, ready. though. He was ready. Some some are. Some really into high IQ players are able to adjust really quickly, but very rarely are rookies ready to adjust to... Uh, they don't make as... You know, but I think in the NFL it's even worse because it's like the NFL is just like everybody who was the best player at their college is like playing for the NFL and they're bigger and stronger. Because they're giving you steroids, but let's let's be, let's be let's be real about this though. The NCAA PEDs. does contributes nothing to the value of the sport. Right. It's a it's a body created by university presidents in order to uh, 
further line pockets. Yeah, further their cash flows yeah. from athletics. And it's all such a joke and big joke. Um, you know, I, some might say it's funnier than this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, Andy, we've kind of gone off the rails a little bit. We, we got too, we, we've we, been ranting about the NCAA we hate for a while. The NCAA too much to not go. We sh- if we can, we need to talk a little bit about uh, some of the the conspiracies. I, is here. the NCAA a conspiracy? Are they scripting things? I don't really think so. Yeah. but I'll tell you this: the the because I think that it's a big it's it's on the cusp. Yeah. of a conspiracy because ultimately. It's about the money for yeah. the NCAA. Yeah. And they shrouded in this guise of amateurism and right. protecting the integrity the of the student sport. athlete. And here's where I want to jump into <laughs> the rest Park. of the discussion is the integrity of the of the sport. What do you mean? That's what the NCAA is allegedly protecting is the integrity of a of a pure and wholesome athletic contest. Uh two two teams of of hardened Athletes striving to both defeat the other. Sure. In in this pure, beautiful expression of competition. I and and I think that this overarching thing of of sports being rigged is that's that's what it's about is people people have a, a reaction to it because they feel like, oh, it's tainting this this pure competitive beauty that we Expect when we watch sport. I think that's why people find it. Find it. Uh, this is why. This is why. But do they? Or they, I mean, are people more invested in the storylines of it all? Oh, well, stick with me. Okay. Jets. A Jets fan sued uh, the NFL uh, in relation to the Patriots Spygate incident, where mm. the Patriots were filming Jets practices uh, in contravention of established NFL rules. The Jets fans sued the NFL in court claiming that he paid money to watch an up and up contest and he wasn't delivered that. And that's why Tui argues that your ticket, that court ruling basically said your ticket only entitles you to go to the event. Yeah. It, a seat at the event. It doesn't guarantee the the quality of the competition. I think that's fair though. I, I Cause you too. think in the court, it's like you could have gone and seen the, uh, you could have gone and seen the Thursday night opening 100 year, uh, anniversary of the NFL bears versus Packers game. That was an absolute fucking dud and heart wrenching hair pulling loss for the bears <laughs> the whole fucking 85 bears team. there watching them. All these famous people, Watching this fucking team struggle and then goddamn stupid piece of shit motherfucker Aaron Rodgers has to throw those fucking, which he only fucking threw because uh, they had their backup secondaries in the end for some fucking reason, which I don't still understand. (laughs) Um, But that game was boring as fuck. It was like three to zero. Like it wasn't exciting. You know, you're not guaranteed to see some, uh, some battle art. Uh, before before we we went on the air, I told you that I had a hot take. Oh, I thought you said a hot cake. No, a hot take. Oh, because I thought you uh you line your pants with pancakes. I've got a well, that's a separate matter. Oh, okay. I I have a what I think is gonna be 
what I thought was going to be a Trinidad scorpion pepper of a take, but I think that you're going to actually find this rather mild. Okay, so we've gone from Trinidad Scorpion down to maybe like a Serrano or a Poblano even? I mean, maybe we're talking just a banana pepper here. Oh my goodness. Um, as, I, as we were researching this and I'm thinking about professional wrestling, and I've had this thought before, it occurs to me that people know that professional wrestling is scripted. Yeah. But... That doesn't really matter. What people get invested in is the storylines and the characters. Yeah. And the uh, you talked about it with, with Stone Cold. A very technically gifted wrestler, people enjoy watching him display his skill sure. in the ring. Yeah. If sports are rigged, I don't really care. Wow. I don't care if it's... I don't care about it being a legitimate contest. Wow. Now, ask me that if it impacted my rooting interest. If, uh, you know, the Browns had to lose a bunch of games to satisfy some NFL narrative, maybe I'd feel different. But yeah, did, did you like that they had to go 0 and 16? You know, <laughs> to not lo- win a single game to join the the ranks of the 1976 Bucks and the 2008 Detroit Lions. The Lions were arguably worse than the Browns. You know, um, here's the and thing. And possibly this year's Miami Dolphins? As a Browns fan, <laughs> you're yeah, the Dolphins. A new level. But they're tanking. Right. Um, which they're doing it on purpose. Discuss. Yeah, but here's the thing. As a Browns fan, you get used to ineptitude. I mean, things things seemed like they would be good. Trust me, I they was went thinking from that with a grain of salt. One fifteen to zero and sixteen. The team was bad. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't like the Detroit Lions, who actually had competent players and still did not win a game. Yeah, I, I. That's even worse. I'm sorry, Detroit Lions. Yeah, and you deserve better. I, you know, stuff like that. I, I mean, that probably makes it more believable that it's not scripted. But because why not just get. Andy, I don't know, man. I don't think I agree with you. If I found out it was all rigged, I don't think I would be as into it. I think that I still would. I don't think I care. I want to win. I, I, would you give up? Okay, you talked about the Bears Packers, that Thursday night game that kicked off the NFL season this year. What if that was actually a good game, but the Bears still lost and you knew it was scripted? Would you have enjoyed it? Yeah, maybe. Instead of instead of a trash game <laughs> where the Bears just failed to uh, the defense. The defense stopped Aaron Rodgers for pretty much 90% of the game. Okay? Yeah. And the offense was so inept. Well, that it both offenses win the were game. inept. Yeah. I just want to point that out. Before I mean, you go on a little bit of it, you just, get a little bit too off the rails. I'm just saying, if it was a good game. Yeah. Like a high scoring game, defensive stops, interceptions, sacks. Would you have enjoyed it more? <sighs> Even if you knew it was scripted. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't. I don't know. See? The Bears still lose. Like, that's not. I don't like that. I would have been pissed about it. Sure. Just like it would have been about a TV show. Like, why are the Bears still losing? They're supposed to win now. The Bears have been losing for a long time, and now they're good. Now they're potential championship contenders. 
And uh, they're supposed to win. Aaron Rodgers is a fussy little baby who argues with his coach and he throws little tantrums and he grows a dumb mustache and he's a bad actor wow. and he's a piece of shit and wow. uh, his family doesn't like him Whoa. and yeah, yeah, uh, and nobody likes him. Nobody likes him. He's not liked in the league. Right. People don't like Aaron Rodgers. He's known for being a diva little baby. <laughs> and true. Uh, he shouldn't be able to win anymore. Um. <laughs> yeah I don't know Andy maybe I'm getting so fired up about just the storyline aspect of it maybe you're right you're focused way more on Aaron Rodgers the character than you are on Aaron Rodgers the competitor I did the same thing with LeBron LeBron torched my bulls when we were so goddamn close to winning that team deserved to win the 2010 bulls the hard work the grit the Thibodeau era bulls you had Joakim Noah you had uh, Corey Brewer you had uh, Carlos Boozer Taj Gibson, you had, um, I think it was Rip was on that team, or is that after? You had Derrick Rose, obviously. Yeah. You had uh, um, Kyle Korver, I think, coming off the bench, or maybe not. It's hard to remember sometimes. It was like almost a decade ago, which is uh, weird. Um, that team deserved to win, but fucking LeBron had to be there with his stupid fucking heat. That evil team, the team that was that seemed like it was colluded against, where LeBron reached out to Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosch, and they all got together and formed a super team, and they wore black. I mean, the fuck, man? They wore black. Like Darth Vader. <laughs> how about uh how about LeBron and the uh Cavs coming back against Golden State? Yeah. That uh that three to, three to one finals. Three to one deficit. Now I loved that. I hate Golden State. I, I despise them. I know you do. Steph Curry, suck a dick. Draymond Green, suck a bigger one. You're a piece of shit. And you play dirty. I don't like you. So so I'm look, calling you out. What if the NBA scripted that? You I don't I like Clay Thompson. You don't care. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe you're you convincing me. The Golden State is a heel to you. Maybe you're convincing me. Golden it, State's a heel to you. You didn't care that they lost. Even even if it was scripted. No, I'm surprised to hear you say this because you normally don't care for the storyline of sports. Or maybe you're just putting on airs. Maybe you're just playing your little devil's advocate character. You put on your little devil horns. And you put on your little devil pasties. And you walk around that little tail thong. And you put on your little, you got your little pitchfork out and you go, tee hee hee. But art, ooh, the stats. Okay, well, here's. You always do that. No, but here's the thing. I think that sports is far too overanalyzed. Uh, True. Sports media is obnoxious. True, that, and you can see that with people hating on Trubisky. And I think I think that a lot of the stuff that annoys me is the stuff that the media just kind of makes up. Mm-hmm. And it's like just the act. Let's stick to the what Stephen A. Smiths, the Colin Cowherds, the Skip Baylesses. The uh, it's good list. <laughs> um, who else is there? Doug Gottlieb's. Yeah. Uh, I- Nick Friedel, the worst Bulls writer of all time. Glad he's fucking gone. Good riddance, you piece of shit. <laughs> but here's here's my thing Fuck. Is, is that we get invested in these teams, we get invested in the in the characters. Yeah, I've things. been I've been loving them since I was a little kid. It's like, how can you not? And and we spend all this time talking about it as if it's this earth like super serious thing in sports media. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. and it's like, let's let's put it back to its proper perspective. At the end of the day, it is entertainment. Yeah, we watch it to be entertained. Sure, yeah. it annoys us sometimes, and maybe we get frustrated with our team's performance when they can't 
ever beat Clemson for any reason. But you know what? <laughs> oh, geez. Or when I broke a remote in 2009. Because <laughs> why can't you just beat Texas? I don't know what this is in reference to, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, my point is, you get, sure, it's it's aggravating, but at the end of the day, it's like, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's pointless. It's just sports. It's entertainment. It's no different than like, oh, if you went to a movie, that movie didn't turn out how I thought it was going to turn out. But they wrote Spider-Man incorrectly. He's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Superman. Exactly. It's like, Spider-Man didn't live up to my expectations. Yeah. It's like, are we that? Do we want to be those people that kind of like putting that on? To, well, you do. I don't. Uh, you know, at some point it's like sports is, is, is entertainment. We watch it to be entertained. And you're bringing up a good point, Andy. And so I almost feel like if I found out that competition, true competition for a lot of it is just a myth, I don't think that I would care that much. I don't yeah. think it would diminish my enjoyment. It would probably, it would take something away. But at the end of the day, professional wrestling doesn't reveal its storylines. True. So the 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 outcome is still unknown. The injuries are still real. Right. Now let's let's we would let's, still have terrific athletes playing a game that we enjoy watching. And doing it at a very high level. Let's get into some discussion that's going to lead to our actual verdicts here, though, Andy. Let's say hypothetically, after this podcast is released, um, it it gets so popular, and we thank you, the listeners, for making it that popular. Listeners, you are tremendous. It's it's all on you guys. It's not on us. You know, we've done our part. Time uh, for you to do some work here. Okay. <laughs> okay. It gets revealed the Wednesday after this episode's released that. Yeah, sports is fake. The verdicts were all faked on this podcast. Do you, I mean, do you really think, do you really think like in the NFL that they could compromise any of those players? How hard, we talked about the NCAA, we talked about all that, how hard these motherfuckers work to get where they're at. And then some asshole comes along and says, hey, a little extra quiche. No, our, why don't I, you miss that tackle for Lucas Quiche? Why don't you throw a pick, Mister Tom Brady? Especially in the big money leagues, athletes are already making enough money. Yeah, that I mean, and this is one of the things. That and Gagliano, we can't out. figure, we can't factor out the Mad Money leagues owned by Jim Cramer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or the XFL owned by Vince McMahon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jim Cramer, noted Eagles fan. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Fly, 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 Eagles fly. <laughs> uh no, I think that I think that it would be hard to to incentivize professional football players, especially. Oh, especially. Because of the amount of money that's involved. I, I, They're putting their bodies on the line in way. I mean Right. And they're already being competent. Like Melvin Gordon is holding out. Yeah. Until he gets paid what he wants to get paid. If you're a superstar in the league, you usually get the money that you want and I, feel like you I deserve. Think, I, think that, I think that in the NFL, in a practical sense, I, I agree with you. I think it's impractical to say that the NFL is fixing games. Maybe a guy like Joe Flacco. For those of you who don't know, Joe Flacco, former Super Bowl MVP caliber um, quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Now there's a Trinidad Scorpion pepper take. Oh, yeah. Now, kind of on the tail end of his career, playing for the Broncos, just kind of, you know, playing out his career. He can still play. He's nowhere near where 
he may or may not have ever been if he ever was <laughs> i think <laughs> I mean, to to he got to the super to bowl paraphrase denny green joe flacco is who we thought he was <laughs> <laughs> they are who they thought we were and we let him off the hook <laughs> Great clip. Uh, I watched that. I watched that uh, that game live. Oh, did you? Uh, I think that was a Monday night football matchup between the Cardinals and the Bears. Oh yeah. And I watched it live, and so I watched that press conference live, and I was like, "Well, this is nuts." <laughs> I don't know how old I was. I was probably a teenager then. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I was touching myself. I, I think you could admit <laughs> to the conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing got teenage me hotter than an enraged Dennis Green. <laughs> Well, you had lots of, uh, you must have had lots of spank bank material then. You know, he used to coach at Michigan State. Mm. Surprised you like him. Maybe you like jerking off to seeing somebody that you hate. uh, I don't hate him. I got nothing against him. Got nothing against Michigan State? Okay. (laughs) Anyway. I got some, but What do you think about that? What do you think about, like, players in the tail end of their career? You think you could maybe, you think you could get them in the pocketbooks? I mean, here's the thing about football is so many people have to be on board. Yeah. I think that collusion in the NFL makes sense between owners. Yeah. So I, but I don't think it makes sense among the players because it would be too many players. And, and at some point ego comes into it. The owners are the ones who really benefit from revenue sharing. Yeah. And I think, uh, and they benefit from the draft. Uh, you know, they're the ones that are benefiting, not the players. The players don't benefit from the draft. Right. Larry Fitzgerald doesn't benefit from being stuck on the Cardinals his whole career. No, I, the players don't benefit from it. And Calvin Johnson didn't deserve to be stuck on the Detroit Lions his whole career. But I think where where there could be collusion is is if owners, you know, in the way that contracts get structured or in the way that people move about the league, obviously the commissioner has... Uh, we mentioned Antonio Brown. He's not exempt from playing right now, despite the fact that he has these horrific allegations levied against him. Right, like farting in a doctor's of, face. Of farting and of rape. Yeah. And, I mean, that's bad. Like, not only I don't know, rape allegations, but proven factual evidence that he doxed a sexual assault accuser's kids to his posse and threatened... Like intimidated her. Yeah, he retaliated by via text, threatening texts with her children. The fucking idiot couldn't even use a goddamn burner phone. I, I, I mean, it, what a dumb diva, dummy. But wasted your. I mean, just completely. You know, in that situation, it's it's like we know that the NFL is, has has this has a lot of inconsistencies in the way it handles discipline for yes. its players. There's and, been a lot of players that have had terrible sexual assault claims. Uh, Ray Lewis, you know, murder, murder guy. Murder, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, the way that the league handles it, sometimes it's just kind of like, oh, Christ. I think there was also somebody on the Ravens who splashed his his ex-wife with bleach in a dispute and this was like in sight of their children. Jesus Christ. And I think I if I remember right, I think that the the penalty he suffered was de minimis. It was maybe he sat out for a game or yeah. something. I mean look at like a bunch half the players, you know, 
a bunch of Kansas City Chief players. Uh, you got, you know, Ravens historically have always been a mean. Vontaze Burfitt is still in the league. That dude is targeted like he's been targeting people since college and he's still fucking playing. The funny one of the fun funny things about this whole uh Antonio Brown <laughs> yeah. in uh in uh in A B when he was in Oakland is that he and Mike Mayock get into this. Mike Mayock, the match. general, manager, general of manager of the Oakland Raiders, for those of you uh, who don't know. You might remember him from NFL Network draft coverage, Mike Mayock. Uh, the GM of the Raiders, they get into a shouting match at practice, and Vontez Perfect is one of the guys who comes over and like breaks them up. Yeah. If Vontez Perfect is your voice of reason, <laughs> you might be Antonio Brown. That's <laughs> <laughs> right, folks. This is me, Jeff Foxworthy. <laughs> um, but I think that's where the collusion exists, is in the way players move between teams and and how their deals get structured and stuff. And you're seeing this a lot in the NBA now with mm-hmm. these super teams that are being built. Uh, famously, LeBron goes to the Lakers, and suddenly there's literally a meme about it is that LeBron's going to gut your whole damn team and pick it all for you. That's LeBron. That's LeBron. Did it on the Cavs, too. He doesn't like you. You're out of there. Yeah. Jordan did it, too. Yeah. In a way, it's like Jordan's still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> He's poorly. the owner now. Poorly. Very poorly. He's not good. You hear that, Mike? <laughs> Mike, just go own steakhouses. <laughs> Mike, hit the golf course and do some gambling. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Oh, no, that would be bad. Uh, is this part of the reason why he didn't play that one year? <laughs> yeah. Would have won another championship for sure. The Bulls would have won every single NBA championship of the 90s if Jordan had played that year. Yeah. Guarantee it. Yeah. Um, and Chicago Bulls are a great dynasty. I'm just saying. Anyway, so... Uh, uh, you know, he goes over there. He gets all these other players to join him. Meanwhile, a few years back, Chris Paul wanted to join the Lakers and the NBA vetoed it. The NBA at the time owned Chris Paul's team of the Hornets. That's right. That he was on. That's right. Didn't allow him to go where he wanted to go. That's right. I mean, that's kind of some obvious, you know, I don't know. That's collusion. You can, you can say that Maybe times have changed. The NBA kind of changed a little bit. But when LeBron's able to go to Miami and uh, bring along Bosh and Wade and they, they're able to structure their contracts where they're like, oh, yeah, we'll take less money. Or now LeBron goes over to the Lakers and they get an aging Dwight Howard. But more importantly, they get Anthony Davis and Paul George. Yeah. You know, the Golden State Warriors. I mean, you could sit there and say, well, oh, they drafted well and they just blah, 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 blah. It's like. They had five fucking superstars starting for that team. Yeah. Kevin Durant, Curry, Draymond, Clay Thompson, all all stars. Yeah. Starting for that team. Andre Iguodala coming off the goddamn bench. Yeah. I mean, come on. Sure, they drafted well, but it's it's the other stuff around the draft picks. And what about the small market teams that never get any good coverage and don't get good players to come to them? Yeah. Because nobody wants to play for a small market team. Yeah. Gordon Hayward leaves Utah. Can't blame him. Played his whole fucking rookie career there and most of later in his career, they weren't doing anything to help him because they can't attract the big names. Yeah, those those are the types of teams that get really supported by revenue sharing, but they yeah. often are just toiling in obscurity. Yeah, and wh- you know, what do you think about, you know, it's like how many Hollywood celebrities and high stakes do people have in the Lakers being good? 
Yeah. They don't want to see those Lakers from the past couple years. Yeah. So they got rid of fucking, uh, what's his name? Ball. Yeah. What's his first name? Lamelo. Uh, no, that's his brother. Lonzo. Lonzo Ball. Ousted those fucking guys. Bye-bye. Yeah. I I see it happening more in the NBA than in the NFL for sure. The number one sport I see collusion, UFC. Sure. UFC, it's mano y mano. You have one fighter against another fighter. Yeah. Boxing has had a history. I mean, that is a tale as old as time that- <laughs> Boxing, yeah. That, hey, throw the fight and we'll give you extra money. Boxing's historically- Crooked. How? I mean, a dude is taking a punch to the face. You can't sit there and say that that didn't knock him out. Yeah. How are you supposed to tell? Yeah, exactly. Just take the punch. Yeah. Take the fall. I see it happening in the UFC. Dana Dana White has had a lot of controversy over the years with how he structures contracts, plays favoritism. UFC makes a lot of money. Makes a ton of fucking money. Fighters don't make that much. Fighters don't make, they make way more in spawns. As much as I hate Conor McGregor, as much as I enjoy seeing him get his ass beat by Khalid (laughs) and and, uh, Nate Diaz, and just as much as I see him finally being exposed for the loudmouth piece of shit that he is, I mean, listen, I'll tell you what, he's a great promoter. He gets people involved in the entertainment of the sport. Um, you know what? I could see there being some collusion with between, you know, fighters don't pick their own matches either. You know, that's another thing. It's like your business is literally picking who you go up against. They can kind of like gauge who's going to win and who's not, you know, they know who's a better fighter. Right. (laughs) I see it happening in the UFC a lot more. I like watching a fight. Yeah, I guess you do. I didn't realize you were such a... Uh, it's hard to watch them because they're UFC all pay-per-view. No, I, I dabble in it. You know, I, I think um, one of the pieces of research that you mentioned is from a, from a Metro, Metro.us. Um, yeah. Uh, they're they're, they're kind of talking to a guy named um, uh, Gagliano. They're talking to Gagliano, right? You're right. And he's kind of talking about the UFC and mixed martial arts. For those who don't know, I mean, UFC is... Um, Ultimate Fighting Championship. It's it's a major, but not the only. There's like Bellator and a couple other leagues, but it is a major um, MMA mixed martial arts fighting league um, where you can use multiple different fighting styles. It's not like boxing. Um, he brings up a guy named Anderson Silva. Right. Anderson Silva, one of my favorite fighters. A little cocky, but he had reason to be. Pound for pound, one of the best fighters in the UFC for years, famously, one of the things that people bring up about Anderson Silva is that the UFC pitted him against a fighter that was nowhere near his caliber. You'd be hard-pressed to find one that was. Right. Uh, and Anderson Silva famously let his guard down, meaning he brought his fists down to his sides and let the guy just throw punches at him. And he just was just easily ducking out of these punches like they were nothing. In true, like, Muhammad Ali style, where it was just like, you can't fucking touch me. Like, this is bullshit. It's so stupid that you would even put me up against this kind of fighter. Is there some kind of collusion there? Yeah. Why is the UFC putting up, you know, like, Gagliano kind of mentions, he says, you look at him. This is a quote from him. A couple of fights ago against Chris Weidman, Silva got $2.5 That's a great payday for us, but when you're paying training fees, you're paying taxes, traveling 
um, injury, you know, the injuries you suffer, all that stuff. I mean, right. just your quality of life, the CTE you're going to suffer. Right. The broken bones. And I, you don't realize how much time you've got in your career. It could end at any moment. You could stop making any money. You see the revenue that the UFC is bringing in? I get pretty bitter. I want to point out something too. Uh, Gagliano mentions it's like the the pot of a big fight is something like two and a half million. Yeah. Uh, Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. Another big fight. A big fight. That purse was $300 million. They each took home over $100 million from that. Right. Comparatively. And it was a shitty fight. Those are. Most Floyd Mayweather fights are. Those are very far away from each other. Floyd Mayweather's $180 million versus Anderson Silva's $2.5 million. Yeah. And that's crazy. That's yeah. a That's a disparity. That's That's where there's opportunity if you're trying to find somebody who's disenfranchised and willing to to collude with a gambler. Cagliano says, if you're a kid like Anderson Silva, grows up in Brazil, has a bunch of friends who send your buddies to England or to Australia with a duffel bag with half a million bucks, you're a 10 to 1 favorite. You get caught with a punch, you get caught in a chokehold, your half million bucks suddenly turns into 5 million cash offshore. You're not even paying taxes on it. Yeah. The rematch in the UFC is probably worth more money than the first fight you had. Right. Because people are like, oh my God, Anderson Silva got beat by this no name. Happens all the time with stupid Conor McGregor. He talks all this shit. <laughs> such a loudmouth little piece of shit shrimp. Has no ground game. No ground game. I'm sorry. Great striker. Zero ground game. Got his ass beat. Cheats constantly. Putting his toes in the fucking cage. Doing all this shit. All these strikes he's not supposed to do. Refs don't call it. You know, it's a bunch of bullshit. I really yeah. don't like him. <laughs> I like fighters that are like, I, I kind of like the the homegrown hero. The guy who does everything right. <laughs> Not necessarily, but I, I like just, I like fighters who are more honorable. You know, they, they treat this like it's a real fucking fight and they, you know, and sure they play it up for entertainment's sake, but. You like faces more than heels. I think I like faces more than heels sometimes, yeah. Um. What do you think about that, Andy? What do you think about the UFC being? I do. Th- I totally agree. I, I think. Yeah. I think, and because your career is likely to be so short because of the just brutal amount of punishment your body takes and the complete lack of support from the UFC for Ugh. its employees. Yeah. Uh, it means that. If but on the one hand, it's like you're literally punching each other in the head. Right. You. You kind of know what you're getting. How? Into. Yeah. I mean. But you know what you're getting into, bro. <laughs> at the same time, I definitely believe that with this is true with the NFL too. Yeah, where where athletes are being asked to put their bodies on the line, the yeah. league the league owes them in some sense. Yeah. The league owes them some protection for the rest of their lives because they give up their bodies for our entertainment. It's and depressing. the league hoards this cash instead of very simply taking a portion of it and to provide for. Healthcare, yeah, <laughs> for people who, who, I mean, in some cases, ruin the what, give up the rest of their lives. You can watch. There's a great documentary called ESPN's Thirty for Thirty. Broke might still be on Netflix, might not, but so many professional athletes go completely broke. Yeah, after they don't have any idea how to manage the. They money. have no idea how to manage the money. No one tells them. No one helps them. Uh. They spend it all. Grifters from out their life come through and say like, hey, buddy, 
Remember me from hometown, you know? I'm struggling, bro. You got that. I saw you get that big paycheck. You know, how about you buy me a car and a house? Yeah. It's like, you know, what do you do? You want to be the hometown hero. And the, the, then the injuries you're paying for years of, I mean, look at Gronkowski. Yeah. You know, he's making more off of his weed deals and other sponsorships than he ever made playing. Sure. And he's got a massive amount of injuries. Look at all the weight <laughs> yeah. he lost. Yeah. It's, it's just not, it's not right, you know? Uh, what is it? Earl Campbell can't even walk unassisted now. Yeah, I'm. I mean, it's, it's incredible that guys like Jim Brown are still so um, cognizant and like able yeah. to move. I mean, truly, some people are like designed to play football. Yeah, like Bo Jackson. If he didn't get injured, I have no doubt in my mind that that dude would have destroyed both the NFL and the MLB, and then been fine. Like he's just built differently. Yeah, he's he's just, on another level. Yeah. In fact, that's why he got injured because he was so strong, because he was so fast. When he got tackled around the ankles, he was his inertia was moving so fast that he pulled his own hip yeah, uh out of his socket. Like yeah. that's why he got injured because he, if he was weighed less and wasn't running as hard as he was, he would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> just nuts. Yeah, he's uh He's he's like LeBron, where it's just it's a rare specimen. It's yeah. it's this it's crazy mix of genetics that's just not fair, dude. Yeah. It's like why not us? Like why were we born with our I'm bodies? also a crazy a mix of genetics. Yeah, you're a freak, but in a different sense. Negative sense. Opposite yeah. side of the spectrum. Right, right. Uh <laughs> if anything, negative athletic ability. <laughs> I didn't really start developing any athletic ability till never. And folks late college. I started working out more in college and I suddenly became more coordinated. Um anyway. Speaking of USC, Art took a punch. UFC. What did I say? USC. Oh, sorry. We're not talking about film schools, Andy. Sorry. I was just thinking about Or Trojans. The Tro I was just thinking about Trojans. Trojan condoms. Yes. You love them. You know them. You, you can't them. get enough of that fire and ice condom. You I love lo putting a feeling of Ben Gay on your dick. Don't you love that? I usually skip uh, because I'm sterile. I don't need to wear the condom. So I usually just <laughs> skip and just smear my undercarriage in Ben Gay. Fire and ice. That's Andy. Fire and ice. A song of ice and fire. <laughs> I did take a punch, Andy. That's true. Uh, and that spurred him to hone his body into. Nope. Incorrect the weapon that it is today <laughs> i started working out a month before i got punched in the face well you should have worked harder in that month listeners i'll probably tell this story again one day but for those of you who don't you don't know this andy knows this because he knows me uh i was riding in the train i got punched in the face by you know a serial offender a serial offender punched a lot of people harassed a lot of people on the train you know had been arrested some 200 times and was you just know. on the train, and I he punched me in the face for no apparent reason. I took a clock. Reasons that are his own. Right in the eyebrow was where he got me. Right in the eyebrow. Yeah. Uh, I had been working out a month before that, Andy, so you're incorrect. But I will agree. Oh. It did fuel me to gain more weight. Put on more weight so that I don't look as much like you could pick on me. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes when you're matched up against a dude like Bo Jackson or a LeBron, there's nothing either of us could ever do. LeBron would have his way with you. Yeah. Uh, if, uh, yeah, if, uh, 
If I was LeBron, LeBron's like the wolf from our werewolves episode, <laughs> which by the way, we put out a Twitter poll. Uh, the wolf won. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was 70-30 people said a wolf would kick our ass. I just want to address I want to address it here. I was very overconfident, I think, in saying that I would have any chance against a wolf. Uh and the same would be true for with LeBron. That's, you know, Andy, I mean, wolves range in size, but I think in general we were a little overzealous with our opinions on whether or not a wolf would kick our ass. Right. I think if you simulated it You'd win a few of those. Yeah. I don't agree. You know, I mean, I, I agree. You're a big fella, you know? So if you got on top of that wolf, it would suffocate. Just, yeah. I'm serious. Filled its face with my flag. Now, an adult gray wolf that is six feet long? I don't think so, but... um, A child wolf. A wolf pup? Yeah. No, other, other, not, uh, not all wolves are the size of adult gray wolves. <laughs> Enfeebled elder wolves. <laughs> a sickly runt wolf that nobody Abandoned likes. Abandoned by the pack. The wolf that goes, well, actually. Now that wolf. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm coming after you. You're, you're kicking that wolf's ass. Okay, Andy. Uh, we've apologized to the wolf population, <laughs> to all of our werewolf listeners and wolf listeners. We're, we're sorry. A long needed apology. Let's get to our verdicts. Let's, um, and you can break it down a little bit if you want. I don't think we need to cover every sports league. Yeah. It's obvious that we're bigger NFL, NBA fans than we are of all the other ones. Um, I'm going to, I, yeah, I'm going to bucket it in this way. Yeah. Um, do I think that there's massive collusion going on in sports leagues to dictate the action on the field and produce what the league considers more favorable outcomes in its champions and and all that stuff? I really don't think so. Okay. I I'm going to say that it's plausible minus I think that's fair. Um, is uh, I I don't know. I just I'm not I'm not totally convinced. Most of the evidence is speculative. I I, th- I do think that there's a possibility there. I just don't th- feel that it's super plausible for all the reasons we talked about with number of players and personal pride at stake and all that stuff. What do I think about gambling? Is it plausible that Players are on the take with gamblers. Yeah. For the most part, no, but I do think that it's a real possibility. And with the changes in the laws around sports betting in this country, I think that what most economists find is that making sports betting legal doesn't improve the uh, flow of funds in the sense that it it reduces gambling's influence. If anything, it increases gambling's yeah. influence. So it's it's sometimes people make that argument that, oh, if it's legal, people won't do illegal things. But it, it actually makes it more widespread. Uh, so I think that there's – I think the influence of gambling is is plausible. But do I think that there's ongoing gambling involvement in professional sports leagues? Probably not for the most part. I gotta go plausible minus mm. on that too. Just because 
team sports are hard to fix. You've got to have so many players on the take. I mean, yeah. it took eight players on the 1919 White Sox team. And that was in 1919. And and let's and let's say this too. It took eight players for them to do it. Um and at the end of the day, they they still they really only got bailed out on the scheme. They might have still won the World Series because uh, one of the pitchers who wasn't involved in it got sick, so he would have probably taken two starts that went to other <laughs> that went to players that were in on the scheme. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know how effective gambling is, but there's been a history of gam like Pete Rose. We could talk about Pete Rose. Pete Rose. You know, it's like, and Pete- we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about. Yeah. High level collusion. Yeah, yeah, conspiracies. Yeah, and or or that gambling infects the league so much that it changes outcomes. Because right. Pete Rose was betting on lots of major league baseball games, including the Reds. That was proved to be true. There's really no evidence that he he didn't play poorly. He didn't manage poorly. He he bet on his team, but there's no evidence that he ever bet against the Reds. Right. Which if he was betting against the Reds. That's where you'd start. Then to you see there's an influence. Why would you bet against the team that you're hired to make better? Right. You know, you know, then you could see, oh, he, he's changing yep. things. But if he's betting for the Reds, that, that kind of goes away. And it's the same thing with with, I mean, Antonio Brown in terms of the collusion. Yeah. If if he would have he went to the Patriots and that's suspicious, but then they released him. He's yeah. not on a roster now. I, I see it as more of like those are his actions. Yes. I think he's more he's colluding he's- with himself. <laughs> crazy (laughs) yeah he's he has some some probably mental health issues that he needs to to i mean seek someone's help with uh so that's what i think by the way uh i just want to say that uh the white Sox, uh the 1919 white Sox, the black Sox, uh one the the mastermind of the whole thing was chick gandal and i think that uh that's a fun name and it's a fun name uh, I think that if Chick Gandel was alive today, Chick Gandel would be a, a big Lord of the Rings cosplayer called Chick Gandalf. <laughs> All right, well, uh... Sex- sexiest Gandalf <laughs> around. Jesus Christ. Anyway, oh, what's boy. your verdict, Art? My verdict, I don't even know if I want to give it now. <laughs> um. Okay, so high-level collusion... Uh, influence of gambling to uh, change the outcome of a sport. I think for the UFC, it's straight plausible. Sure. I'll agree with that. I think for NFL and NBA, it's plausible minus. I can see it happening, but I think overall, it's always going to be case by case basis where it's like, it's a mobster coming in to like try and or a ref or somebody else. Like, it's not like some high level thing that's like, hey, we've got this new story. We want the Lakers to win because LeBron and all the Hollywood people, you know. But it's like, you know, it, it's just always like that. It's always the big market teams that are like, very rarely did you ever have like small market teams like the Jazz that like made, they, they made like one championship run when they had Stockton and Malone. And it was like, that's it. That's all they've ever had in the modern era. It's like, it's always been Chicago an East coast team like New York or Boston or new, you know, new England, that area. And then like the West coast teams. 
And then sometimes there's other little teams that are like, hey, we're here. Like Toronto's a huge city. It's a major yeah. city. Big city. They won the championship. Yeah. You know? So it's not always these Eastern, you know, and this is in an American um, uh, sports league. So, mm -hmm. uh, and they had Drake and nobody likes Drake. So, yeah. you know, yeah, it's not like go. people like Drake. No. <laughs> He's not, very unlikable. Yeah. And possibly not a lot of fans. Kind of a creep. Yeah. Allegedly. Mm. Yeah. Seems like it. <laughs> um. So I, I think I think I'm going to go plausible minus. Do I think that there are still refs or even players that are being influenced by gambling? Yeah, plausible minus. I could totally see it happening. You're on the tail end of your career. You're not making as much money anymore. But uh, a lot more difficult in the NBA and mm -hmm. in the NFL because if you're not good... You're riding the bench, right? You have to work really fucking hard to still have a spot at age 31 in the yeah. NFL. You have to really fucking work hard. And plus, then you have to be in a position yeah. to influence the outcome. Yeah. Which like one person being able to influence the backup this. quarterback for the right. Seahawks is not influencing anything. Right. Russell Wilson might be right. But the backup isn't. <laughs> he's yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. Unless he's like. Hurts like he fucking uh, Tanya Harding, uh, Tanya Harding's uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah. So I'm just gonna go with a a blanket plausible minus. I think that in general it's probably just like gambling influences. Yeah. But for the UFC across the board, I'm gonna say a straight plausible. Mm, nice. And for other fighting sports like boxing, for sure. <laughs> it's but not even nobody really watches kind boxing. Of a fact, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. All right. Listeners, that was our verdict on uh, on whether or not sports is rigged or faked. Two scrumptious verdicts. Uh, let us know if uh, what you think about about this topic. Use the hashtag um, sports <laughs> is rigged for your pleasure. Yeah, rigged for your pleasure. <laughs> hashtag another good Trojans reference. Sports is Rigged for, for your, your pleasure. pleasure. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think about our verdicts. Send us uh, a tweet at Mr. Bunker Pod or email us MrBunkerPod at gmail.com. Andy, we got a big boy episode today. Uh, we got some fun little treats. We got some fun little treats Just here. Just got some fun things to throw at you, Art. Fun little segments. A little, uh, little make-em-up segment. Art, um... Consider this. Say that you're a professional gambler, okay? I am not. Gambling is one of the dumbest things you can ever do. I encourage you to never gamble. It is so stupid. Don't gamble. Okay, well, pretend. That being said, I am in a fantasy football league where I paid $20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you idiot. That money's all mine now. Yeah, my team is terrible. Um, so say you're a professional gambler. What's your gambling nickname? Okay. Uh, which sport do you bet on the most? Okay. And which active player in that sport would you try to get in your pocket? Um, my gambling nickname, I'm going to go along the same vein as some of the animals. I want to join the animals. I think that's cool. I'm going to be Artie the Stone Crab. <laughs> and okay. uh, you better watch out, Andy, because I'll pinch you. Yeah. But I'm also known around the... 
the office as a very frugal gambler, so I'm a penny pincher. Yeah. Watch out for the crab. Yeah. He'll pinch you. He'll get you. Uh, I bet on collegiate <laughs> lacrosse, my team, Duke mostly, Duke and uh, or Virginia, the only two good lacrosse teams. No, I'm going to bet on basketball, Andy. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'm going to bet on a little player known as Patrick Beverly. You familiar with Patrick Beverly, Andy? No. I believe he's currently on the Clippers. I think he's currently on the Clippers. Um, I could be wrong. Patrick Beverly, among many other players, is known for doing anything to win. He will get in your face. He's known also as a dirty player. He's had some dirty moves in the past. Famously, he ran into Russell Westbrook a few years back, and that caused Russell Westbrook to tear his meniscus. That's terrible. Yeah. That's fucking terrible. Now, listeners at home are probably saying, but Art, what about Draymond Green and Matthew Delavadova and Zaza Pachulia? <laughs> Those guys are dirty. Well, listeners, listen, why do you ask it that way? I don't know why they ask it that way. I fucking hate those guys. That's why. Especially Draymond Green and especially Matthew Della Vadova and Zaza Pachulia. Fuck them all. <laughs> okay. Because they tortured the Bulls and the Cavs. Draymond is one of the dirtiest players ever. And Patrick Beverly is from Chicago. That's why I pick him. Ah, okay. <laughs> so I would get Beverly in my pocket. I'd be like, hey. Go poke Chris Paul in the eyes some more. Which she did. Make a fist and uh, smack your other hand into it on top of LeBron's head. Go whoop, 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 and spin on the court in a circle fashion, Patrick. Cause a delay a game. You put him in your, pocket in your pockets. Three Stooges antics on That's the right. court. That's right. That's right, Andy. Boy, the Stone Crab has confusing end game goals. Yeah. Uh, or I could have, I I would probably, uh, I'd probably get into esports. I'd probably start um, influencing that. A lot easier to do than you might think. Hmm. A lot of them get caught cheating. Yeah. Some say it's like tour, codes? the Tour de France where they're all using hacks. Yeah. Cheat codes? Yeah, wall hacks, aimbots. Game sharks. <laughs> Old school jam- game sharks to make their Pokemon Get whatever move they want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Esports e- e- is rife for, um, there's a lot of money in it. Yeah. And the players don't make that much money. But um, that's what I would do. All right. Now, Art. Okay. Say that you're a professional athlete. I am. Which sport do you play and which position? I play professional podcasting. Okay. Which position? Co host. Co-host. Uh, you're approached by not good. You're pro- not a starter. No, not making the Pro Bowl. You're you're approached by a gambling syndicate. What's your price to help them, and what are you willing to do? You know, some days when I'm watching football, I think I could have played cornerback. Played cornerback. Cornerback? Yeah. Like in the defensive backfield? Oh yeah. Played. <laughs> okay. My build? I'm like five eleven. Put on some muscle. Are you fast enough? I used to be. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. I don't think I would ever make it as a wide receiver. I don't think I like getting hit that much. And I don't think I have good hands. So I don't think I'd play. <laughs> so, okay. Obviously, the only professional sport I could ever potentially play would be professional esports. Yeah. And I don't know how much I would, I guess. What position do you play? Tank? Healer? <laughs> I'd probably be a support main. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't have the quick reflexes for DPS. I'm a I'm a decent shot caller. When I used to play Rainbow Six Siege with my friends, I would I was really good at like I would study the map and I would study the techniques. I would know the best entry points um, and the best Rainbow Six Siege is like a shooter where one team is defending like uh, a location, the other team has to infiltrate and plant a bomb or kill the whole team, right? Yeah. So I was really good at like shot calling. I would be really good at call outs. I would play characters that could use the, there were like cameras and drones that you could install. And I'd be like, okay, you need to go down yellow stairs and attack arcade through the left entry. There's a guy on the right side, do a quick flick to the right and you'll get him. You know, I would be really good at about stuff like that. I was a decent shot caller. So I think I would be a good like support main. I would probably install better cheating software than what is already used, like I mentioned. <laughs> so you wouldn't use GameShark? No. No, I would use better stuff. I don't know what the top wall hacks are, but um, I would probably say like $10 million? Wow. You can live off $10 million for a long okay. time after taxes. Right. But I think like with esports, it doesn't really matter because the money you make... Like even current esports professionals, the money they make from sponsorships and streaming on Twitch is exponentially more than they ever make in the tournaments. They only play in the tournaments to for the love of competing. Um, none yeah. of those guys do that for the money because they barely make anything comparatively. Like how much they have to play that fucking video game and sit there all day in their goddamn chairs just playing that stupid League of Legends clicking just clicking all day <laughs> like you don't do that unless you fucking love that game same yeah. for every other sport yeah Um, it truly goes with anything in life you can't do it because you want the money you have to do it because you love it, it goes wow. for podcasting it goes for making art it goes for making Um, obviously you deserve to be compensated what you think you deserve but um you know, the money they make from streaming is just, it's just so much more. I mean, these top streamers are making like 10 grand a month. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Easily. They'll, it's lucrative. Uh, games, if you have 10,000 on average viewers, um, a game company will come up and say, hey, play our game for an hour. We'll pay you eight grand. Yeah. An hour of your time and you make eight grand playing a video game. Yeah. Why would I sit there playing one game all day long, having to live in a in a house with a bunch of other people <laughs> for no money? You know, I can live wherever I want. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's what I would do. Professional okay. esports. All right. Now, one last scenario, Art. Oh, okay. Pretend you're a professional wrestler. Pretend. <laughs> yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, what's your wrestler name, and what's your shtick? What's your finishing move? Okay. My wrestler name. I used to, when I was a little kid, I had a character that I would play when I would wrestle with my friends or create a character in WWE SmackDown games called the hammer. <laughs> the hammer had wore a red do rag. Okay. Sunglasses. Yeah. Bull horns. <laughs> And fucking dope Jinko jeans with flames up the sides. Nice. And he was shirtless. Yeah. 
He was a bad ass. Yeah. He didn't take shit from anybody. He loved hardcore matches. Okay. And I would do gores because I had those horns on my head. Yeah. I would do gores. And my finishing move was like this makeshift rock bottom. Okay. But I don't think that would work in today's modern WWE. Okay. The hammer's a little too cartoony. Uh, It doesn't really have a good theme. So I think my true character... I'm going to I'm going to go back to what we were talking about like some of the bigger characters. Yeah. But not as cartoony. It's called The Mason. And my guy/stable slash tag team is known as The Lodge. <laughs> we're hard-working blue-collar dudes who build structures based on loyalty and hard work. Our motto is hard work pays off. And it shows cuz our bodies are the hardest in the entire WWE. <gasps> we're fucking ripped. Yeah. But all from blue-collar work. Yeah. We're not in the gym. We're laying brick. Laying pipe. Yeah, right. We're using sledgehammers. And we're climbing ladders. Yeah. And uh, so you mixing ladder, cement. Love ladder matches? Love ladder matches. Um, I think my finishing move is called the last nail. I have two. I full press my opponent's body above my head in a feat of athleticism and strength. Yeah. And then I kind of do like a makeshift F5 or Kurt Angle slam where I spin them like a pizza, yeah. like a pizza dough. Okay. And then I maybe catch them in like a DDT, which is where you have their head in a headlock and you slam them back. Right. I also have a move called the brick breaker, which is either like a big boot from the top rope or some kind of leg drop move. And we're baby faces at first. Right. Then they can turn us heel by exposing our Masonic sex parties and orgies. And then we turn into the Illuminati and we're heel for a little while. Okay. And then maybe they turn us back. So that's that's my team. Okay. Uh, Art, uh, in case you couldn't think of one, I came up with one for Yeah, you. let's hear yours. Uh, or you're doing this for me. This is for you. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, Art, <laughs> you're Mr. Invisible. Oh, God. You're part of a tag team with Gregarious Hunk. <laughs> you frequently get tagged in, but other wrestlers only focus on Gregarious Hunk until you become enraged. Wow, it's just like my life. Your finisher is social justice. <laughs> a brass bust of your likeness is always hidden somewhere near the ring. You retrieve it, you retrieve it and beat your opponent with your own face. You let them keep the bust. <laughs> As a reminder, so I'm kind of like Al Snow. I have a head. Maybe I'm not as crazy. I don't talk to head. Maybe right. I do. Yeah. Wow, this is true to life. Very true to life. There yeah, you go. that's pretty good. Mr. Invisible. Mr. Or or the hammer or... Yeah, the Wait, mason. The mason. I think mason was the name of a... Or maven was the right member of a wrestler, but... Um, I've been mason. Part of but, the lodge. The lodge, baby. Blue collar bros. Given my body type, I could only ever be like a Spike Dudley. Just like part of someone else's team, but I don't actually wrestle that much because I'm 150 pounds. <laughs> they just like put me through tables and stuff for comedic effect. I would watch that. Yeah. Well, that's us. Andy, that's... You, did you come up with a wrestler? Do you have a wrestler? Uh, A wrestling identity? Uh, I'll tell you what I thought about, Art. I thought about um, what I would do if I was uh, if I was a professional athlete. Yeah. Um I would be I would be a professional golfer. Oh yeah. And I could uh, see that for you. Um you know golfing obviously it's hard to adjust the outcome by your own personal play unless you just 
win outright. Um, so I would be full on like the the Tanya Harding of professional golf, um, where you know we'd be at the range. Uh, you know when you get to the tournament, actually really talented and taken advantage of by your stupid husband, wife. Uh, but uh, I I would uh, you know when you're at the tournament, the golfers all go to the range and they're practicing their shots and stuff. I would just like whack balls at other uh, more successful golfers until they became injured. Wow, Andy, you're you really uh, you really teed off, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm TO'd. Yeah, I'm TO, baby. The Terrell Owens of golf. Yeah. Wow. Well, listeners, watch uh, me do one sit up in a driveway. <laughs> yeah, when he worked out outside. <laughs> Uh, oh NFL. Oh, okay. Uh <laughs> listeners, uh that was our episode on Sports is Faked. Here it was. There it was, Andy. This wasn't fake. This was real. This was real, baby. A little too real. A little too real. Uh listeners, let us know what you think. Um and let us know what your wrestling personalities would be and what sport you would play. Yeah. Put yourself in any of those scenarios. Yeah. And let us know. Maybe we'll read it on air. Yeah. We'd love to. We'd love to read it. Um, Andy, any last words to say? Um, I like sports. I like sports. Sports are fun. Probably because we're not good. We're not good at them. Yeah. We're not athletic. Uh, go Bears. Uh, anyway, for the titular... Mr. Bunker. Mr. Bunker. And for my Rosetian co-host, Andy Hart, I'm Arthur Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. This episode is going, going, gone. with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on, it wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network. 